All right. Hello, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Direct Input Podcast. Today is Tuesday, October 17th in the peculiarly weird year of 2017. I am at the uh, Spencer Home Studio. We're going to have a fireside chat tonight. And I'd like to wish in Mr. Mike Shea a happy Edge Day for being here today. Oh, thank you so much. It's exactly who I want to spend my Edge Day with. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Edge Day was a real thing. Yeah, it kind of isn't, but, you know... Here we are. Yep. Some post about it. It's it started with I think it was the last uh, I want to say ten yard fight show at, at Karma Club, and that's how Edge Day got started. I I I'm like ninety percent sure, and then it just became a thing from there. And I mean, it would make a whole lot more sense to you know celebrate it on like the third Saturday of every October and book a cool show or something. But <laughs> Tuesday is just as fucking cool, I guess. So, uh, you're like the only dude I know that's actually straight edge and still straight edge. Yeah, going on, shit, 20 years now. Really? Was that, like, what'd you have to do to pledge that? Did you get drunk and realize it was a bad <laughs> idea? Or, like... No, I mean, straight edge is just, it's it's something that, uh, a decision I made a long time ago, and it was just a, a, a series of having that one decision vindicated over and over again. Uh, my beautiful wife is straight edge, so I, I, I owe that much to it, but, uh, you know, just going from one social circle to another, it's just kind of like, it, you know, especially going to college where everybody you meet just wants to talk about, oh, I, I fucking went out last night, I had this to drink and then this to drink and then this to drink. And that was my night. It's like, well, that's not a list of things you did. That's a list of things you drank. And if anybody wanted to ask me what I did, you know, I drove out to the middle of nowhere to see some show at a function hall and, you know, 20 people got beat up and the cops came and we ran from the cops. And I, in between all that, people were diving off fucking speaker stacks and, and having an actually good time. Uh, so, you know, that's how that got started. And then, you know, you get into, you get into metal and hardcore and, you know, it, metal's a lot of fun but it's a lot of a lot of putting on a costume and putting on a persona and fucking trying to be mr viking guy and i i'm gonna drink my beer and i'm gonna have my you know no disrespect to anybody's vest there's some very fashionable vests out there but you know i i i don't know i i I didn't need it to to enjoy music i didn't need it to to enjoy you know anything so here i am well you come from a very different world than me i mean hardcore is pretty much like your bread and butter coming up yeah if i'm if i remember correctly uh-huh. you had a band back then called letters from the dead oh uh, jesus yeah right i did have that uh yeah it was more of a metalcore band i'll, I'll admit that in my in my in my old age was metalcore a different thing back then though yeah i mean it it's gone through a lot of phases it was a lot of fun when i was you know 18, 19 years old, you know, doing Letters from the Dead. And it was a lot of creativity and a lot of, you know, just kind of letting it all fly. And then it just became a really, like, as it got more commercial, as it got more accessible, it was just kind of a cookie-cutter thing. And I don't know, it was a a lot more, you could listen to death metal and be in a metalcore band. You could listen to real death metal or you could, you know, yeah, listen to this big wide range of music and then put it together as what we what we know as metalcore and right. It, it, it's it's 
you know, for morons now. I only saw you guys once. Yeah. It was at the the uh, Kingston fucking Knights of Columbus. I think it was like a reunion thing, and the most violent cat fight I ever saw in my life occurred. <laughs> and I was fascinated by it because this band from I think it was Albany played called Dead Dead Death. Dead Dead Death. Yeah. And they were fucking atrocious. They, they were suck. like this. I mean, I don't know if the guys are still around or not, but they played. I remember they opened up a for Goratory in Albany at Valentine's and Goratory just did Rice on Suede this monster album and fucking these white belt dudes got up there with their fucking like weird haircut dickhead fell off the stage yeah, yeah he totally <laughs> fell off the stage he was standing up on the monitor and like he like turned his back like he pivoted his feet while he was standing on the monitor and just completely fucking went over and Cracked the fuck out of myself. It's <laughs> fucking one of the hottest falls I've ever seen. Nobody helped them up. Fuck. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was funny. I, I that fight started out of absolutely nothing. It was their girlfriends uh, flipped the fuck out and were flipping us off from the back of the venue. My buddy's girlfriend at the time went up to them and said, "What? What is your problem? Like, what's going on?" They were like, "No, fuck these guys. Like, we we had nothing to do with them. We had no interaction with them whatsoever." And they decided, to "Fuck, you know, to come after us." So they were just messing with the wrong girl. Uh, this is a girl who, had, you know, grown up in. She grew up in Atlanta, hanging out with skinheads and just beating people up for for fun. So that was the end of that. Walked out of there with a chunk of this girl's hair. <laughs> this picture's on Return of the Pit. Yeah, there's a great one of a cop looking right at Aaron's <laughs> camera, like right now. be like, oh my yeah. god, like this guy's on detail tonight. Fucking. We had, I mean, this was all me, but I God only knows where I came up with this. We had a a watermelon shaped pinata, and it was full of I was. A meat clerk for Stop and Shop, and I had a bunch of expired sausage meat and like, uh, what cool was it? man, freeze dried crickets. Freeze dried <laughs> crickets. You sell those at Stop and Shop? We the don't. Fuck? I bought it again. I I don't know where any of this came from. This is a spur of the moment thing, but I bought it at like a, a pet uh, pet store or something, like lizard food. And we smashed it off the side of their van and dumped the remains in their van and then took off. <laughs> <laughs> Never came back again. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Fucking one of the first times I actually encountered you, though, was at the living room. Uh-huh. And, um... And Dianeed was like having their last show, and you fucking get up on stage and started chucking fucking fish carcasses around. <laughs> I got f- I took one in the fucking cheek that night, oh, guy. Oh man! Fucking misery index couldn't play. Fucking big fucking catastrophe there. Fucking Tasha Fish Crew, I think was the name of that fucking. That started with uh, my buddy Frank, and uh, I think I want to say Frankie from the Bandito for Dishonor was in on this too, where they. Just got bored uh, one night and went to the Super 88 Market in Quincy. Uh, this is a great origin story for a vegan, too. Uh, <laughs> it just drove around and threw fucking fish and, like, pig hearts at people. And that became, like, the thing to do. Was we were, got bored, we'd buy fucking duck eggs and pig hearts and fish and just drive around Quincy and throw it at people. So at some point, we this became a story. Uh, this became the plan that we were going to take these fish to the show and throw them to people and uh, I, I think you witnessed the rest fucking awful lot of criminal mischief for a bunch of clean cut fellows though yeah yeah go, <laughs> go figure yeah I mean I've been a, I've been a quiet weirdo my whole life but you know when, it, when it's time to get wild I guess it's time to get wild you grew up in Brockton I grew up in Brockton yeah city of champions I'm told the city of something yeah I mean that's another part of the the, the straight edge origin story is just, just you know Seeing people, I mean, 
I just so everybody's clear, like I, I did not grow up on the streets. I did not grow up in the ghetto. Uh, I grew up in a quiet street, in the, you know, on the outside of town. I always had food on the table. Uh, my parents worked really hard to, to give us a, a decent life. But everywhere else in Brockton sucked. Uh, going to school, playing sports, um, everything was just terrible. Our, our little league, like, we couldn't host tournaments because people were afraid of, like, getting... They had had tournaments there earlier and, like, gangs had beaten people up and just shit that, that doesn't make any sense. But only makes sense in Brockton, and it's just like it, it. It's you're looking at everybody around you, and everybody's just really, really quick to either piss their life away or become their parents immediately. Like by the time everybody's 15, 16, they already talk like their parents. They've already adapted their you know, hobbies of you know just doing stupid shit, and all they care about is just sitting around and smoking cigarettes and watching Jerry Springer. Or, <laughs> Or, you know, I I still have friends that are, I, I, you can probably say the same, a lot of people can probably say the same, but I still have friends who are dying from drugs and doing stupid shit and going to jail. One of my best friends from high school uh, went to jail, uh, I want to say sometime earlier this year, took a guy's head off with a shovel, <laughs> and this is just, you know, you hang out with shitty people and shitty things happen. He was a good dude, but... That's the that's the crowd you want to run with, and he somehow became the part of the shovel decapitator scene. That's a fucking interesting town because Rocky Marciano's from there. That you know, got arguably the greatest record in the history of boxing. Marvin uh -huh. Hagler, yep. another you know middleweight champion of the fucking world. Uh -huh. Fucking um, and originally has the city of champions on the fucking water tower until the pa uh, Patriots start fucking winning everything <laughs> and Red Sox are we going to rally. Uh -huh. I used to play down there and fucking off of uh, Montello Ave. Yeah. With, with, with ascendancy, there was an old leather factory, and a uh, bunch of bands up on the fourth floor. Fucking, we got robbed. All of our fucking PA yeah, speakers. Say. People fucking yeah. came into the fucking ceiling, Mike. Yeah. And fucking like, like jigsawed, cut through the fucking <laughs> walls. Like it was like, what the fuck? Like, just a different fucking level of depravity and fucking whatever you want to call it. You know. We are we're an intuitive, uh, you know, lively people who. Uh, well, we have a goal in mind, and that goal is usually stealing things or, or doing something stupid. It, it, it gets done. But they had a fucking vicious hardcore scene down there. Fucking, I never went to that club. Was it Romans or a Tiger's Den, whatever they call it? Yeah. Fucking. There was one two one when I was in high school. Uh, my parents loved me, so I was not allowed to go to that. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. My, my buddy Ed, um, he did that band back in the neck. He, you know. He would tease me about not going on, haven't gone to one two one because he lived there when he was when he was you know 15 years old or whatever. And I said, yeah, sorry, dude, my my parents love me. And he said, well, my parents love me too. I'm sorry you had to find out this way, but <laughs> no, they fucking didn't. <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah. Fucking, I know it was like a big paint. I was like a big bike dude down there. We used to do like custom paint jobs, fucking off of uh, was it 16 or whatever coming in off of Avon. Sounds like a Brockton thing happened. Yeah, I fucking forgot that name, but. It was a different time, Mike. Fucking hardcore was everywhere. I used to go see Dying Fetus, and I was subjected to watching fucking, you know, fucking 100 Demons people fucking crowd kill everybody there. Yeah. Kids were, like, just brought up differently in the scene. It was more violent. There was more confrontation. It was more fucking direct. No internet to hide behind. Uh-huh. No fucking patched up fucking vests and all this shit either, really. Mm -hmm. Fucking. Do you think that fucking... 
the scene nowadays, and a lot of kids are missing that. Do we need more competition, so to say, like more of a competitive, like competitive spirit, like that hardcore has oh, that geez. drive? I, you're asking the wrong dude. Um, hardcore is probably a whole lot better now than you know it ever was. It, I mean, one one of my hobbies is you know, two o'clock in the morning, you just browse YouTube for like bro hardcore bands uh, and see what the hell's going on. And they're they're doing just fine without me. They're doing just fine without. You know, uh, diecast at the Palladium opener for fucking soiling. Why was diecast on every? Yeah, dude. <laughs> every fucking show they were there. What a fucking disaster! Diecast at. I mean, whatever. No diss on diecast, but like, I saw some of the most violent, awful things in my life because diecast had to play with Vader and fucking. We were just talking about that the other night. That catastrophic tour, actually. Catastrophic tour. Fucking that stop, dude. Remember that? Fucking like it was the diecasting. Oh fuck. It was catastrophic Vader and fucking and fucking diecast. Yeah. And some fucking lad got his head split, fucking if I remember correct. I didn't like, he I, I saw the beginning of the fight. See he was getting kicked or he, somebody bumped into him or kicked him or something. And this kid just went fucking berserk. He was this tall, skinny dude, and he's just going nuts and he's trying to fight like this entire crowd of hardcore dudes and i i don't want to say the dude's name but a very large individual approached him and very calmly tried to to bring him down to earth and say why don't you why don't you chill out didn't chill out shoved this dude uh hard took a swing at him i turned my head um to get a friend of mine to look at it my buddy turns around to see the kid hit in the ground. He told me that he, the kid fell so hard that he thought this kid fell from the balcony. <laughs> he got hit <laughs> down. Never been dropped like that. <laughs> Immediately, fucking show stopped. Yes. Hospital comes, stretcher on yes. the fucking floor. Palladium floor. He's getting wheeled out, and Diecast says, This goes out to that kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, thank you so much. Tribute from this band that this kid obviously didn't want to fucking see. <laughs> Everybody claps. Oh, what a classy move by Diecast. And Diecast is still up there. They they don't even stop playing. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst part. It was yeah, like yeah. a 10, 15 minute ordeal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was an, when I did uh, when I did my another band uh, called Betray by All. Um, that was a th if I was always taught fight breaks out, keep playing as long as you've got an instrument in your hand, you're you're fine. Uh, we were in New York City and. This fight broke out over God knows what. Uh, this dude got jumped by, like, a lot of fucking people. Uh, it, it got messy really quick, but we just kept playing. And it was a big, like, point of contention with some of the older guys in the scene. He said, why didn't you stop it? It had nothing to do with me. Like, I was always taught, just keep fucking playing and everything will work itself out. But I don't know, man. Yeah, we did that with Sushman once or twice. And it was always an odd feeling when you're playing. Yeah. You keep playing, and then the whole club's just outside. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, all right, what do we do? <laughs> Nobody's here. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's an odd resolve to be in. Fuck it. Uh, so, is there still a ton of fights at hardcore shows? I mean, it just it's it feels like the scenes come like so far away from that time. It's like, I don't watch. I saw Shia Terra last year. Yeah. It was the fir like, first hardcore band I think I've seen since like the Bruises. Like, it's not even hardcore, but like. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there still are. Uh, like, I'm not trying to sound cool or anything, but I, I, it, I don't get the same charge out of hardcore I, I, that I did when I was, you know, 22. So I just, I, I, I don't really stick around that scene. Yeah, but yeah. I, 
it, it's funny, man. I was sitting around with with uh, with my old roommates, my, two of my best friends, and they're stoners. I'm straight edge, and I would just hang out with them and just just let them go. And we were just talking about like old shows and like crazy shit we had seen, and just like people getting beat up in the living room, <laughs> and how there was that like smashed toilet on the ground. And my buddy John just got gets really really quiet and he's like we've really we've lived a really depraved life i'm like what are you what are you talking about man this is all fun stuff he's like this is what i had to show for my 20s smash toilets and people getting beat up by skinheads he's like we've lived a really <laughs> depraved life and he got really sad and he got up and left left and went to his room really yeah man. wow some people that's that's his reaction to to getting high sometimes it's just he, we would watch lock up and 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 just have a great time and then like he, he would just get really sad about picturing living in prison and then he'd want to go <laughs> oh really yeah Foxwood. yeah i mean fucking uh it's what do you think is like the most dramatically different thing though about metal like the metal scene compared to like years of going to hardcore shows like what's the What's the big fucking difference to you? Other than the music itself, just the people, you know? The people? I mean, it's really all the same thing. I mean, everybody's got, you know, there's a hardcore uniform, and then there's the metal uniform, and then it's never been especially cool to mix the two. But, you know, some people just, some people do, some people don't. Uh, I mean, what are you looking for here? Well, I mean, I just found that fucking, like, uh... I don't think anybody nowadays knows about hardcore that's coming up. Like, there's a certain, there's a generation gap, I think, because I was born in 83. Mm-hmm. But most of, like, my peers fucking were all about, like, Life of Agony yeah. and shit like that. And kind of could have a good crossover in the 90s to fucking whatever else, right? Pantera, Sepultura. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think fucking half these fucking kids know about that fucking band anymore. Even Blood for Blood. <laughs> Sheer Terror to me is a brilliant fucking band. Fucking Slapshot just gets kind of written off as like, oh, that old straight edge band. But uh-huh. like, nobody really gets it. Like, I don't know. I'm just wondering, like, fucking, like, if, uh. Yeah, man, you, you either grew up on Slayer or you didn't. Like, either your, your older cousin brought, you know, South of Heaven over to your house or he brought, you know, God knows what. He brought fucking Tool over to your house. Well, fucking. I, do you think that fucking metal fans are just in general a lot softer than hardcore fucking people? No. Whatever you want to call them. I fucking. wouldn't say that at all. I'd say there's plenty of fragile egos on, on both sides really? of the fence, yeah. No, I. It, it's. I mean, everybody starts in the same place. It's it's the silly thing about all of it is that everybody, it, everybody everywhere starts with, or at least I, the way I remember it, it starts with you know playing Chaos AD in your bedroom with your with your cousin, uh, and then you you figure out which path you want to go, and that's how you do it. Uh, metal. The thing about metal that always that I always liked is that you can really it's hardcore is really a social experience, whereas metal you can just be in your own world and listen to fucking Gorgoroth in your bedroom and and just live the fucking live the fantasy of living in the woods and slaying dragons and god knows what hardcore is it's it's you you have to go to shows you have to be part of this you know social thing or you're or you're, you're a poser or like you're 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 the outsider you show up to a show and like that's the guy I want to beat up <laughs> 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 don't know this guy okay let's hit him no shit. Yeah. You think I would get beat up for looking like Jesus? <laughs> Fucking, I probably get a better shot being looking like Jesus and getting beat up at a hardcore show than a metal show. I bet. I, I think metalheads are soft, bro. 
straight uh, up. And that was the answer I was looking for. I, I, that, I, I know that's what you're trying to bait me into saying. <laughs> no, dude. Dude, half these fucking black metal kids can't even fucking light a fire like this. They're going to talk about fucking burning churches? Come <laughs> on, kid. Fucking like, it's just not there. It's not there. There's no drive. The, fucking, like, the hardcore scene's weird, man. I went to see uh, my buddy's, uh, a friend of my wife's actually been his uh, self-defense family. And they're, and they're kind of a weird band, but they played the Middle East with fucking Super Touch. Who have been like fake big for a, a really really long time? What do you mean fake big? Like they'll headline a show, but like you can't name a record they've ever done. Like you've never like you you've never listened to Super Touch. You've never you can't name anything they've ever they've ever recorded. Like you've never been excited to see Super Touch before. But then they're on a show and it's like oh yeah I I yeah that I know who that is. They were they're that band that's from New York. But yeah it's it it's weird because it's like. It, you got people wearing sweatpants and people look like they're wearing fucking pajamas, and then you got dudes with the big fucking Jesus beard and oh yeah, it's 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 a weird mix of people now these days, and it's actually kind of cool. But like I said, that's that's not me anymore. Is nails the biggest and best thing to happen at hardcore <laughs> in the past ten years? Comment. Nails fucking sucks. Nails is a is I. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll say this till the end. Neil's You're not talking about the WWF wrestler, right? You're talking about the band. I'm talking about the band. Of right. Nails as a, as as of Nails sucks fame. Now that <laughs> Nails is a fucking new metal band. That's it, that's not a new metal band yet. Like they're they're pre new metal. I've never heard them. They suck. What should I expect? Uh it's just it. It's a bad impression of just fast hardcore. That's that's all it is. Really? Yeah. Who's the best, like, fat, like, so wait, you got fast hardcore, uh-huh. and then, like, fucking, like, who's the best at doing that? Integrity or something? I have no idea what Integrity's doing anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is Integrity the most evil of the hardcore bands? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I have no idea. Yeah. Who do you think's evil hardcore? Is there such a thing? Evil. Is next up, up evil? Fucking <laughs> dying fetus covered them. Tiny Fetus did cover them. I yeah. No, next up was was a lot of fun. Uh, we my old band used to play Baltimore a lot, so they were the guaranteed next step up cover every time we went down there. It was kind of funny. Did you play in Puerto Rico? I did. I did. I, I've been accused of, of that being the only show I've ever played and the only thing I ever talk about. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but try by all play Puerto Rico. Um, we had uh, my, my man Baldo was playing guitar for us. He's from PR, uh, so he hooked it up. Uh, they were pumped to book it because they actually liked the band. Uh, we went down there, and you know, it 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 really pains me. I don't want to get into political thing, but it really pains me to see our you know our our, our government's response to the the hurricane down there and the the whole mess they're in because th- those are some of the nicest most accepting people every single place we went people just wanted to hang out and have a good time uh they're the nicest people i've ever met in my life and it's it's disgraceful to see uh anybody think of them as less of less human lesser lesser human beings or lesser you know united states citizens or, or anything like that Are you optimistic about the uh you know Events with Donald Trump moving forward. No. You happen to be a part of this whole situation. No, you're trying to bait me into. Pol- I'm not no. trying to bait you. I, I really want to know. <laughs> no, I, 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 my thoughts on Donald Trump and the, the Trump presidency are well documented, and I'm not, not. He's not my guy. Not, not your guy. Not my guy. You, you stand up for the national anthem. You know, I, I'll tell you what I, what I, I told my wife. Uh, 
a couple things. There were a couple things my, my dad said a lot growing up. Uh, his his father was a master sergeant in the in the army. Uh, I was on Normandy Beach. Uh, he's always been really proud of that. I've always been really proud of that. My dad always used to say, "National anthems playing, stand up, take your fucking hat off, and pay attention, and shut up." But number two, my dad would also be very clear that you need to stand up for what you believe in. My dad would say, "The squeaky wheel gets the grease." Something he'd say to me a lot. So something's got to be fixed. You need to be vocal about it. You need to say it. You need to come out and let people know that something needs attention. Uh, so I stand for the national anthem. I understand why people would not. And I do not take, I, I think it's really shameful to stand behind, to, to hide behind veterans and to hide behind, you know, people who have sacrificed for the country to, to try and push your own selfish gains. Yeah, I respect that. I mean, it's really pretty much in the same pack as me where I'm at. I mean, I don't really feel compelled to, to fucking take a knee about it, but I don't know. It's not really my thing. Yeah, I mean, I think we as a, as a country, we, we had an opportunity. We still have an opportunity to say, you know, look at a display like this to uh, what NFL players are doing uh, and say, did we miss something? Like, is there something really wrong that, you know, that, that black people think that this needs our attention did we really really miss something and people are are missing out on that conversation yeah uh you know what's interesting though is that at least fucking these fucking a lot of people are calling these like these uh the right wingers they're calling fucking these athletes fucking like whiny and spoiled and shit but at the end you know the nfl what's interesting about this whole fucking uh rash of fucking kneeling it's not really exactly about what Kaepernick's issue was. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kaepernick originally wasn't really... He was all over the fucking place. Yeah. You know, one week it was fucking kind of vague. Next week it was about Cuban. <laughs> Fuck it. You know, like Castro was some shit. It's oh, like, where are you going with this? Yeah. But then, like, fucking this Trump shit fucking pops off out of nowhere where he's calling us... Well, calling us... <laughs> calling everybody a son of a bitch who was taking a knee. And, like, on, a, on an issue that was kind of dying out. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it was kind of going away, dude. They weren't talking about it. Mm-hmm. This fucking recent rash is more about fucking rebellion against that motherfucker, fucking yeah. Trump. Trump knows what he's doing. He's he's Trump's good at two things: branding and real estate. Uh, and this isn't real estate. This is a branding exercise. Um, yeah, I mean, it. The NFL owners are very much, you know, complicit in this. In that. You know, making this about choreography and making this about I'm gonna I'm gonna stand I'm gonna kneel and then I'm gonna stand up and then I'm gonna put my hand over my heart and I'm gonna fucking cross my fingers and you know if I do the right combination of things like everybody's birthday wish will come true and you know <laughs> Jesus will find the <laughs> Jesus will find the diamond in the, in the cabbage patch and everything will be great but no it's it, I mean. You, you said it yourself. People have completely lost sight about what this was originally about. This is this was about police brutality. This is was about uh, you know class separation. This is about a, a, a lot of things. What it is not about is Donald Trump. What it is not about is do I stand? Do I kneel? Do I lay down and do fucking snow angels in the flag? You know, and it, Trump, the NFL owners, all of it. They they. Let's admit it, they've successfully made this about everything but, you know, what it originally was. Yeah, absolutely. Which, in the end, is the fucking right to fucking have that First Amendment to fucking express your fucking, you know, 
so nobody will come here and fucking Gestapo you in the middle of the fucking podcast, you yeah. know, shit like that. Uh-huh. But it's interesting. It's it's you know because I think Goodell. I, what the fuck happened today? Baldwin went to Goodell with some sort of fucking. Uh, I don't know what it was. Offer or demand to fucking do something and reorganize. I don't fucking know what the fuck it was. I heard it on my lunch break. I did not hear about that. Yeah, well, fucking, I mean, in the end, fucking, when we talk about squeaky wheels getting wheat, uh, grease, it's, uh-huh. just, it's just one of those things, dude. Fucking, you know, it brings attention to the issue. And I don't know. I really got a kick, though, out of these fucking fans who were going to fucking throw their fucking jerseys in the fire here. Fuck them, man. <laughs> Fuck them. Don't come back, please. Don't come back. For God's sakes. I mean, the, how many people have been have threatened to boycott the NFL over one fucking thing after another? Uh, when we wouldn't let <laughs> the NFL wouldn't find a place for Tim Tebow, fucking sucked. Christians were gonna boycott it. They wanted to start. <laughs> to, to, I mean, that motherfucker guy, kneels before any of the yeah, black like, dudes. Fucking like, <laughs> he's legitimately bad guys. What do you want? We're boycotting it. We're got, we're we're boycotting. No, you're not. And then you know, after every fucking threat of a boycott. You go. You look at the the Super Bowl, and every Super Bowl since has been the highest rated Super Bowl of all time. It's a world game. Mm-hmm. I'm getting fucking burnt on these fucking London games, though. <laughs> I think that it's a shit pro. Well, it's not as shitty as fucking Thursday night. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of digging it to be honest. You know, really? you, you get up early, you, you you got a game to watch right away, you don't have to wait for anything. So, like, is the Jaguars, like, the most played team over there or some shit now? Like, fucking, they're drawing better in Wembley than fucking, <laughs> in fucking Jacksonville? Hey, man, they're, they're doing well, man. They're, they're at the top of the, the AFC South somehow, some way. That, that oh, division's really? wide open. So, they're, and they're, they're I, I mean, thought Tennessee was there with three and three. Well, we can fact check that. Yeah, look that we'll, one up. Yeah, we'll check Snopes on that one later. The fucking, um, <laughs> but all right, so last week some interesting shit happens. Uh-huh. I mean, fucking, I don't know what's more interesting, Denver losing to fucking the Giants mm-hmm. or fucking Miami beating fucking Atlanta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and by the way, I was watching, I, I listened to the second half, well, the first half of the Pats on my way up to fucking Hampton Beach to see fucking Suffocation up there. Okay. So I watched fucking this, a little bit of the second half of Suffocation on their fucking bus. Okay. And I fucking missed the whole debacle. <laughs> fucking like, but in the end, I really don't give a fuck about that rule because, I mean, hey, it's a rule, but I think you were talking online about how in the end, fucking, you ain't going to do shit if you ain't scoring more than fucking 14 points outside the fucking first quarter, you know, fucking... Exactly. I mean, yeah, Pats gave up 14 uh, right off the bat, and then they didn't allow a score until, I want to say it was like eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. That's that's a nice long stretch. They made, as for as many stupid hot takes as I heard about the Patriots' defense across that, that first half, they made three stops within four minutes uh, of the end of the first half to give Tom Brady three tries to try and tie, tie the game. That was just hard. Yeah, to set up a double score. They, I mean, they got the job done, man. Mike was three times in four and a half minutes, right? Three times in four three and a half. Three fucking times <laughs> in four and a half fucking minutes. Yeah, like, the third, the, they stopped. Uh, I was posting clips today. The, the first stop was on a third and one. Uh, they stopped a run, uh, and it was just about at the four-minute mark was when they, they had to punt. <laughs> Look at these assholes. Yeah. I don't know. Does the league suck that much, or is Belichick just fucking brilliant? Like, I can't fucking figure it out. Like, it's a, I, honestly, it's it's a little of both. I think you've got teams that you've got a number of teams in the league that aren't 
playing very sophisticated football that don't scout very in a very sophisticated manner that don't game plan in a very sophisticated manner i think you've got uh plenty of plenty of coaches that are you know just left over from you know that they really should just be in college and high school they can you know you take the big son bitches and you put them on the inside and you take the fast son bitches and put them on the outside and you line up and play football and then you know if this is oklahoma state at texas christian and the game's going to end 63 to fucking 60 that's fine that's wonderful but in a sophisticated adult league where you were you know playing other teams where 11 guys are locked in at a time you've got to play big boy football and not everybody's capable of doing that i mean i i remember i would i would cruise through like linkedin and look at uh uh area scouts for for different nfl teams and the jaguars had more typos in their linkedin profiles than they, <laughs> like embarrassing typos really yeah so i mean they, and they they're hiring people with no football experience people that were working at fucking citizens bank before that and you know so fuck speak of typos you see that twitter account w-e-e-i typos i did not <laughs> oh you gotta follow that i think there's an underscore in that but it, oh it's just fucking it's amazing how how often ei will fuck off oh yeah <laughs> oh the network that the, the station that that employs john tomasi is, is bad at things who didn't fucking know <laughs> Fuck it, it's, you feel, how sad is it that Tomasi's the one guy from the left that has to fall on that fucking sword? I mean, fucking like, it's, you know. We'll put him on waivers, man, we don't want him. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that. He's dude. the equivalent of that fucking broad that was like kneeling to the ground when Trump gets elected, like fucking, it's like 2001 oh, and the fucking, the nobody, monolith is there. Like, oh, nobody's as pathetic as that woman, no. <laughs> fuck it, um, so fuck it. But so you're a former, I don't even like calling you that, but you are, I guess, right? A former football blogger. Would you call your title that? You had a website called Pat's, uh, what? Pat's Creek. Pat's Creek. Dot com. Yeah. That's, uh, that's Pat's War. It's, it's a black metal reference for everybody out there. Creek, which German. everyone knows is German for cheese. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I did that. Um, I went out on top. Uh, I ended the blog at the end of uh, Super Bowl 49. Uh it was a lot of fun getting to write about a national scandal as it was happening. Uh, I think my last couple posts had, you know, in the hundreds of thousands of unique hits. Half of them were people uh, who were grateful to read it, and half of them were people to call me, you know, homophobic slurs and and, <laughs> and such and tell me what a moron I am and start arguments that, that they couldn't finish. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, gave that up because I was making some career changes and because... There was nowhere else to go. I mean, there's plenty of, there's, you know, a million and one fan blogs and podcasts and such, and I wasn't offering anything new. So, yeah, fucking leave on top. Yeah, no, I hear you. Fucking, you wrote a great piece, though, about the Flake Gate, and I, I've off, I have fucking told other people that fucking, there's a site called Your Team Cheats. Your Team Cheats, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that they fucking source the fuck out of everything that you did off I, of that. I've spoken to the guy who runs it, uh, calls himself the Commish. I don't know his actual name. Uh, super nice guy, super smart. Uh, he, he, We've spoken. He told me that he got a lot of his research from, from things that I published, and he said he referenced it a lot, so he was grateful for it. I thought that was really cool. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's a really unique site, um, the, the the cheat scale and, and everything. That that was a cool idea, and it's, it's really well done. <laughs> Where do the Patriots clock in with that? They, 
I mean, like, the, it's kind of silly, but... I think they, they clocked in right in, like, the middle of the range. I mean, okay. people... All the things that were said about that have been said about the Patriots are doubly true for, you know, a number of the the legacy franchises and prestige franchises in the league. Yeah, uh, Denver specific. De- <laughs> Denver is the most penalized uh, and most frequently penalized team in NFL history. Denver Broncos. And it's yeah, and it's it's not up for debate. They they. Uh, you know, cheated the salary cap uh, in two different Super Bowl years. They got busted for silicon on the jerseys. They they've done <laughs> <the> everything. <laughs> silicon on jerseys, spraying so, fucking. Yeah, the fucking Montana's 49ers did the same thing, and nobody wants to touch it. Montana's Joe Montana's the only guy who'll bring it up. Nobody can't touch him. He slide right off. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, very nice. <laughs> fucking brutal. And fucking Jerry Rice got stick him on the fucking gloves. Too. Jerry Rice just stick him on the gloves. Highly illegal, uh, especially for the time. Um, yeah, Jerry Rice. I mean, they, they, you got guys who are you know just putting themselves on a pedestal. It's you know it, the way I was. I think of it is you know as people like to, to point out, there are gatekeepers uh, in how the story of the NFL is told uh, and you know look at the people who are in uh, quote unquote the media a, a term I don't really care for but the people who are you know telling the story are ex-football players and people with the vested interest in it and a lot of these people are what I like to refer to as is NFL traditionalists who uh, you know at a very high level think that the Packers Steelers Cowboys Broncos and maybe to another degree the 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 Colts uh, are the only teams that have any right to win Super Bowls consistently at all and that's I Tony Dungy, Bo Cowan, Phil Simms ex- yeah exactly right off the top of the list yeah. um, and you know I think that's a big part of the reason why uh, a lot of those guys don't like the Patriots because it really fucked up the narrative I mean when Super Bowl 36 they upset the Rams in the story at the time was you know good for them they yeah. they took on the juggernaut and they won good for them and then they won two more Super Bowls in you know, the next four years and it was oh wait 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 they, this, you guys aren't the <laughs> you know <laughs> You know, back and that's, to back. And that's a that's a, you know a, an idea that comes from people that don't give a shit about football. They give a shit about you know the, this fantasy idea of football. Of fucking Danny Don Meredith and like black and white footage of fucking Johnny Unitas and buying fucking uh, collecting you know uh, Minnesota Vikings uh, collectors cups at Hardee's or something. Growing up, it's it's yeah football. The the team that puts the most points on the board should win the game, not you know who who can win the the you know the prestige battle. I've always thought that fucking Deflate Gate was something that was brought on strictly by a vendetta that fucking the Colts had towards the Patriots regarding Tom Brady dominating the fuck out of them in every opportunity it's, possible. It, it's, it's a lot bigger than that. And quite honestly, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, there's things that we're going to, we're never going to find out probably. I mean, think about it. Like think about it as big of a company as, as the NFL is. Um, and as many things that, that, you know, go public, there's a lot of things that, you know, we don't find out about, find out about until, Years and years and years down the line, the fucking this will the shit will go down with the Kennedy assassination files, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it it's 
it just cracks me up to see, you know, people on the internet, people calling in the EI and saying, oh, you know, uh, this all started with fucking Brady, uh, you know, mouthing off to the Raven. Like, you, you think that's what triggered a fucking multi-million dollar lawsuit? You're talking and about the fucking trick play with fucking, uh, he, like, he it's said, in the rule book. Yeah. You should, yeah. It, maybe, maybe John Howard should, know, should, know, should read the rule book. And people are calling, I mean. No, just, I believe that to an extent. Come on. I, maybe it did. I, I, I had to believe that this was in motion at some point for, for a long, long time. I mean, the the evidence shows that it, everything points to a sting operation, a really poorly done sting operation at that. And if you read the the transcripts of the, the you know, the blank on the word here, the, the text message depositions or whatever. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the appeals hearing. I'm sorry. Okay. The appeals hearing with, that was done behind closed doors. That Goodell tried to get the record sealed, and they came out when they they went to federal court. But the stories between uh, Ryan Grigson, uh, Troy Vincent, like they couldn't even keep that much straight. Grigson's story was that he went to he they they had the ball on the sideline and they gave it the fucking grapefruit squeeze and then they went to he took it to to Troy Vincent and and Mike Kenslin said to tell them you know we're working with the small we're working with the deflated football here and his side of the story was that uh, Kensel and Vincent already had their coats on and were already informed of the issue and were on their way out already. Meanwhile, back, you know, you, you look at Troy Vincent's testimony and he's, his thing is, oh, Grigson came to us and that was the first time we learned about it. So that's, you know, step number one in a very, very long line of things that did not make a lot of sense. Um, in that, you know, you've got the Colts, uh, who are the only people who have admitted, admitted to actually sticking a needle in a football. Uh, you've got the, their, you know, the minister needle at the game, the, the day yeah, of the game. To check the, yeah. he, he checked the right the PSI level. So on. the whole accusation is based off of that fucking needle, fucking pick, fucking yeah. assessment here. And know. then this again, even going back before that, there's the whole discrepancy between, um, you know, um, the New York Post broke a story that Dequell Jackson, when he picked off Brady, uh, felt the felt the football and said, "Oh, this is like, this is." Three psi below, really <laughs> below regulation. The Jackson comes out immediately after, and nobody fucking fact checked this. He went and did this himself, which is you know one of the few honorable things that happened. He came out and said, "No, that never happened. I I picked the ball off, and I wanted the ball saved because I, I it's Tom Brady, and I, it was a big moment for me." Uh, and you know anybody in the Indianapolis media could have made one phone call and and checked on that, but they didn't. They just let it go. Um, and then that that same fact appeared in it's the opening paragraph of of the the appellate court decision to to uphold the suspension says Dequell Jackson picked off the intercepted the pass and then reported that the that the ball was deflated so that's not we know that's not true true right because <laughs> he's later admitted that it's not fucking he true he very much admitted that but you did thing. actually just call it a fucking sting operation. Yeah. Now a sting operation does involve the fact that they were somehow committed, perhaps, in a certain fucking act. Uh -huh. Do you think that they really were fucking? I think that they f were looking for something that they could possibly nail the Patriots for, and you know, 
I think that maybe they maybe they knew that Brady liked the balls towards the low end of the spectrum. Maybe they figured they can get away with it because it's a cold day. I don't know where the idea came from, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, the idea that you know taking less than one percent of the air out of a football gives you fucking superpowers. Uh, that's an that's a concept that came from the NFL pushed through ESPN pushed through all again all these gatekeepers and then that became gospel to to the NFL community oh yeah you, know, you can grip it and you can you can throw it a lot further no it's fucking take the air out of a football and it's not gonna help you any it's not it's funny because I, I I play flag football uh and i was on a team with a, a steelers fan and a bills fan and i'm standing in the end zone getting ready to start the game and they're talking about which game ball they want to use and one ball's a little a little firmer one ball's a little softer and they're like oh you know i, I usually like the, the softer ball let me grip it a little bit oh you know i kind of like the firmer one you know and I, I like the way it comes off my I'm, and i said to him like so so you, you agree it's, it's more of a preference thing they're like oh yeah, yeah. it's like and it, it doesn't really help you play the game any better. Oh, no, of course not. So, in that, I mean, this is right after the flake. Like, <laughs> so, you might say that scrutinizing the uh, minimal amount of air in the football doesn't actually affect the game. Oh, wow, 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 wow. I see where you're going. No, no, it's... It's such a fucking non-issue that became a massive fucking issue. Because yeah. it fucked with the entire <laughs> integrity of fucking like a legacy of an organization, of a fan base, and in the end, it's just like, well, this is it's just this unholy shitstorm trinity of Mortensen, Ursay, and Grigson all together. Fucking, you know, it's funny. I I, I went to see Greg Bedard speak. Um, he spoke at the, his local library in uh, where he lives. Really, and um. People were just jumping at him with the flake gate questions and everything, and they said, "You know what? What do you think really happened?" And he said, "You know," and and other people, his his mentor Peter King, had said the same thing. And I I have a lot of respect for for Greg Bedard. I think he's a fantastic writer, but I I think this is kind of a cop out answer when he said, "You know," uh, he compared it to the the Bounty Gate investigation where they they had a set of interviews and they didn't find anything, and then they. They kind of had all their all their ducks lined up, and they went back to they went back to um, what the hell's his name? Defensive uh, Sean uh, Price, Sean Payton, and, Sean Payton. and um, <laughs> Greg. Uh, oh, fuck, Greg Williams. Christ, I can't even think of his name today. Been a long Are you drunk? Happy Edge Day. And they went back to those guys, and they said, you know, we got you. And they presented all the information for him, and said, we we got you. And you know, it's a terrible example because. Bounty Gate fucking fell apart. It was too right. late to you know overturn any of the suspensions, but Bounty Gate fell apart. And I mean, it, history remembers that as the NFL railroading the Saints and not really having the evidence that they needed to do it. And his Bedard's explanation was, you know, they went to McNally, they went to Dushramsky, they interviewed everybody, and they didn't find anything. And then they did some more digging, and they found something. And they were going back to it, and that's when the Patriots pulled McNally and Paul Dostromsky and said, you know, they've already done all these these interviews, and you're, you're not going to talk to them again. And then they went ahead with the report anyways and said, you know, more probably than not. But, you know, Bedard's thing was, oh, I, they 
probably got him for something. And Peter King's thing was, oh, it feels like they got him for something, not necessarily this. And I guess my th- the follow-up question to that is what, then? If they got him for, if this is all, you know, if all's well, then ends well, because they, they did something wrong, what was it? And fucking prove that, instead of trying to prove that taking half a PSI out of a football gives you superpowers. It, that, that makes no sense to me. Who, who's the biggest fucking proponent, though, of that issue? Is it ESPN? Is it Goodell? Is it the Colts? Uh, it's all together. I mean, the, I, the Colts don't have enough clout to pull this off all on their own. This was the, it, it, There were 31 other teams that were, had a whole lot to gain from, from seeing the Patriots weekend. Uh, and now they're seeing it bite themselves in the ass, too, with, with um, the Zeke Elliott case. I mean, realistically, I if, if you're asking what I what I think of Zeke Elliott, I, I have always thought of him as a, as a ticking time bomb. Uh, that whole uh, that whole Ohio State team uh, just seemed like it It really – go figure, it reminded me of Urban Meyer's uh, Florida oh, God. team. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think he's – Something bad is was bound to happen with him, but nobody can. Mind, he's just a shit magnet. <laughs> fucking like, like but he it, wins football games. Uh, you got, yeah, he fucking take the he take the the wrong side of the track team. Fucking, yeah. you know, like fucking Aaron Hernandez. Fucking, I mean, Christ, he had Tim Tebow too. There, fuck, you know, like that's something <laughs> Tebow else. Tebow is the state. Yeah, uh, th- yeah, that's his stud. Is fucking Tebow. Fucking yeah. kid, fucking one thirty six in the fucking single A. This kid fucking hitting. Uh-huh. But um, I don't know, dude. I think the Colts are a shit bag organization. They suck, yeah. Fucking, <laughs> they fucked over the city of Baltimore so hot. That's like one of the most legendary telltales of fucking, like, just big sports fucking over fucking fans, man. Fucking you, like, you know what's funny is that like, when I wrote that when I wrote that piece for Pat's Creek and I and I mentioned, uh, you know, alcoholic Robert Ursay stealing the the team from the city of Baltimore. Half the people I talked to were uh, that there were Colts fans that you know what we we hate that motherfucker Fucking for it. Right. And then the the other half said hey, he has every right. It's his his, his it's team. Like it's him money. And he can steal the team and move business. it to another franchise. Like that that's an intelligent thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> It's like putting a pool table upstairs at Ralph's. It's his fucking business. <laughs> he can do it. It's his fucking business. I'll stay out of Ralph's politics if that's cool. <laughs> the fucking, I don't know, dude. It's just fucking, I don't know. But that was just such a fucking clusterfuck, and it's right before the fucking the, the Super Bowl. You know, it's this whole thing fucking uh-huh. unveils, like, and then you got a fucking ruling and suspensions, and it happens fucking three or four years ago, and I'm sitting here talking to you about it still. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the big takeaways from that. I mean, this is nothing new that's been said. I don't think they cared about. Um, I, I, I think I, I don't think they especially cared about messing with the Patriots for the Super Bowl. I think they very much wanted a a first round pick taken from the Patriots and B to have in writing uh, in federal court uh, a precedent that says the NFL can throw the CBA in the trash whenever it wants. I mean, people, you've probably heard Article Forty Six, uh, you know, brought up, you know, walked up and down the street. If, if you've ever read Article Forty Six, it doesn't say anything whatsoever about you know uh circumventing the cba it doesn't say anything about uh disciplinary measure article 46 of the cba has to do with gambling that's when it mentions integrity of the game and matters that would affect the integrity of the game article 46 is expressly about gambling you're not talking about the constitution right 
<laughs> talking about the the collective bargaining agreement with the NFL and oh, okay. NFLPA, CBA. That yeah, that <laughs> 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 that constitution. <laughs> no, but that's what that it. Article 46 gives the NFL authority if a player is caught uh, involved in a gambling scandal, then they can step in and introduce whatever punishments they like. It does not give them the right to uh, invent a uh, game violation punishment uh, based off of, you know... That goes to federal fucking court. Exactly. And, you know, <laughs> it goes to federal court, and without putting a tin, without screwing the tinfoil hat on too much, I mean, the head judge in the Appellate Court is a law school friend of... John Mara, who, you know, we've very much seen through this Ezekiel Elliott case as, you know, not a stand-up guy, who's a guy who's willing to use the powers of the NFL, the, the you know, the resources and the, the, the legislative uh, resources to, to move to his own means. I mean, they've got the... the I, I don't remember what official title was, but the woman who recommended suspension is a fucking like Giants PJ wearer. Uh, it's it's very clear that John Maher pretty much is the commissioner, and everybody's behind him. Really? Yeah. So fucking Roger Goodell is just a puppet. Goodell is, you know, it's this it's, is like Infowars, Mike. It's, yeah, this I is love it. fireside <laughs> chat Infowars. It's funny because in the in the beginning of deflate in the beginning of this whole thing, you know, I I remember being really confused by this, the whole line that Goodell's just here to take he he's that he's just jumps on the grenade and he takes the abuse so the owners don't have to. I'm like I I don't understand what that means. He's not he's not really doing a valiant thing here. But at, in the end, it kind of makes sense. I mean, Goodell gets he's. This is a guy who obviously has no problem going up to the the draft podium and getting his ass booed back to the Stone Age, uh, and he does that while the owners make you know these stupid decisions in the background. Yeah, pretty much. Do you yeah. think he's the worst commissioner out of all uh, of the four big sports in America? Oh. How's your power rankings on that one? Again, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he ran a tighter ship than. Uh, What's his name? Daniel Stern, David Stern. Oh, Daniel Stern in the NBA? Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that guy sucks. I'll probably you excited for NBA this year, by the way? It's open tonight tonight. Fucking Cleveland. Just wake me up for the playoffs, man. That oh. shit is too long. Right. There's too many fucking games. <laughs> the, I mean, they, just if you don't like the NFL, all you have to do is look at the NBA where, you know, there's two or three juggernaut teams. Everybody else is the fucking Washington Generals. Like, they're just... Everybody else is just fucking cardboard cutouts taking up background space. It's it, There's no parody whatsoever, and that's why they like it. I think baseball's in that situation right now. Look at the fucking standings this season. Oh, 100%, there's, yeah. There's fucking... In each, in each fucking league, there's six teams that fucking... Like, just three games in back of each other, whatever. And then everybody else is just buried. Fucking yeah. 12, 14, 15 games under, you know? Yeah, I mean, baseball, at least there's 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 a little bit. I mean, we're past the point where the Yankees are, are winning, you know, 100 championships in a row. It's, Thank God. It, yeah, I mean, it, the whoever the NBA equivalent of the, the Kansas City Royals are, you're not going to see them win an NBA title. I think, it, dude, I think it's Houston's year. I think Harvey. I think there's a Harvey effect there with that hurricane. I'll take your word for it, man. I think Houston's going to take it. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. Fuck the Magic Johnson's dumb fucking dodges. Fucking, <laughs> oh, fucking all those hack plays. Adrian Gonzalez. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to get singles. Fucking. But seriously, though, power rankings. I got Gary Bettman actually up there. I think he's a fucking douchebag. Fucking, I don't know if he's. I think Adele's definitely my number one. Definitely my number one. 
fucking and probably Batman's my tool. He's definitely the most hateable character. He's definitely the 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 Shane McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is fucking bright red face fucking asshole with property up in Kennebuck, whatever the fuck. There's it is. A, yeah, there's goddamn it, there's nothing likable about Roger Goodell. Mm. I can't think of a single thing that that he's ever done or that that I could ever ever point to where I say Roger Goodell's made the league a better place. He's made it more profitable. Yeah, uh, you know, probably at its own expense, and people get to the point where people are sick of it. <laughs> well, viewing's changed a lot, though. I mean, I'm, I'm like a big fucking fan of Red Zone, you uh-huh. know, but I don't know if he's really the dude behind fucking. There's fucking fifty dudes who are way smarter that told them that's the you know mm-hmm. we should take this fucking. Yeah, and that's another thing that I that I've talked about a lot is you know. Um, the politicizing of of NFL ratings um, by a number of different parties with this whole stupid boy fake boycott going on, where you could point to oh, the NFL ratings are down from last year, NFL ratings are down from years last year. Well, TV ratings across the board are down. People do not understand how, how TV ratings work whatsoever, and they think that you know. Look at the way that. Uh, Entertainment deliverables have, have evolved over time. You've got more streaming options. You've got, you know, cord cutting. You've got people who, you know, Red Zone. I, I cut mean, the cord, dude. Yeah. I got Sling now, and I pay an extra 10 a month to watch Red Zone four exactly. times a month. And, you know, the, the your viewership on Sling, your viewership on, you know, DirecTV Now, uh, Sony View, YouTube TV, Hulu, all those, uh, you know, CBS All Access, all those Fox Sports Go. All those, you know, standalone streaming options, like they're not reporting numbers to anybody. Uh, so you're, you know, you're taking numbers from TV viewership that are, of course, down because everybody's leaving. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and everybody's got their own proprietary numbers, and not, they rarely share those with anybody. So of course, it's going to look like it's, it's down. You were just in fucking Iceland. I was just in Iceland. Good say. <laughs> but you watched fucking. I think I. Chat you a tweet telling you that you can watch fucking Thursday night football on fucking Amazon. Fucking, I watched it and it was actually really, really. I, I mean, I watched it on a like five inch uh, Amazon yeah. Fire tablet, which yeah. sucked, but yeah, the stream was really good. That's like an undeniable American quality, I think. Now, as we, no matter where we are, we like our fucking big TVs and fucking lab cars <laughs> or some bullshit like that. You know, fucking yeah. loud society. It was, it was probably a hell of a sight watching, you know, my my buddy and I in the, our Airbnb in Iceland <laughs> shouting at a fucking five-inch screen. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Well, I'm a fucking, I'll be like DJing at Ralph's and shit fucking on the little fucking. There you go. So I get up at the pool fucking Balling, yeah. watching all that stuff. <laughs> um. But that's the thing, though, is like Amazon's now doing that. And Amazon, I think, actually has fucking their sponsor in Red Zone this year, which is. That's big. That was dominated by like GM, fucking. Mm -hmm. Fucking people don't fucking respect fucking Amazon enough. They don't know how much of a juggernaut this this company is. Yeah, they're not dealing books anymore. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, no more books, no more computers, really, even sort of fucking. Yeah, they've got a long way to go, but, you know, they're, they're big. I would love to see, though. What kills me about cord cutting is that fucking, I can't watch Nessun anymore. I don't really like the Nessun network that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't like John Henry. Uh-huh. Um, I, I've like despised actually John Henry ever since he lit up that fucking cigar when they won. I think it was in, it wasn't 04, I think it was 07. 
just a real arrogant cocksucker. And what I kind feel of like cigar was this? The guy, the it was huge, bro. <laughs> it was like this fucking SM48 right here. It was. It's just like this huge. How big like, was a cigar that it made you mad? Because like it was just like I'm like, what a douchebag. What a fucking yuppie fuck cocksucker. Fucking like. <laughs> Like fucking, and now we're like just as bad as everything that I fucking hated about the Yankees. With that fucking, we'll just buy it. We'll just buy it. Yeah. Sort of mentality and fucking. Ugh. It's just funny to me that this all started with the size of a the size of the cigar. Yeah, I mean they won it, but I was just like, dude, that guy's a cocksucker. I don't like him. I don't like. I don't appreciate the way he lights a fucking cigar like that. And it's like he doesn't even look at the type of guy that smokes a cigar. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like he doesn't even drink brandy. I bet. Fucking pose on. Roll of Philly is like a real man. Yeah, yeah, real man. <laughs> Stop talking like Roll George fucking, McFly, John. Roll of Philly is great like a real man, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Garcia <laughs> Vega. <laughs> can keep it real here. <laughs> I don't know. He, he, he fucking irks me. But yeah, baseball's funny. a hard thing. That's the thing, dude. I don't watch any of that. I don't watch Comcast anymore. I, I listen to every Celtics game on the radio during the playoffs last year. Yeah. Last season, right? I, I got really... I, I was a... I, I worked for um, a company called Spanish Baseball Productions. We did the Spanish language simulcast of uh, Red Sox games. So I was there for about five years or so. So I got I got burnt the hell out on baseball. So did, I mean, did, I, I follow the playoffs, but that that's about it. I mean, just being at the park day in and day out for for little to no money and having to score the game and do stats and mix the broadcast and do ads and everything. And it, it was it was too much, and I I. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm done with baseball. There's not a ton of action either. Yeah. Players are the biggest douchebags, I think, in baseball. Actually, yeah. Um, NBA guys are kind of just characters, but fucking baseball guys are douchebags. <laughs> fucking like, <laughs> I don't know. Everybody I came in contact with was, was pretty nice. Um, the ba- the baseball press is kind of a weird thing because you're you're there for so many games. And people are just like so run down and like dumpy and just miserable all the time. Like, I remember I was I was I went to I went to the mall with my my now wife looking for for clothes to wear to the ballpark. She's like, "Oh, this shirt looks nice." It's like, eh, "It's a little too nice." Baseball guys kind of look like shit all the time, so kind of kind of want to dumb it down a bit. Uh, Don Orsillo, I remember, was the only guy who was really upbeat all the time. Jerry Remy was fucking miserable. Everybody in the the press box was miserable. Everybody in the clubhouse was miserable. <laughs> Robbie's kind of a shitbag. You know, he charged, like, he grew up in fucking Somerset. Uh-huh. And I got family down that area. He tried, they, they fucking named the ball pack. Uh-huh. A Little League ball pack after Jerry Remy. Yeah. Like, hey, Jerry, come out here, throw the first pitch on the dedication day. Yeah, 10 grand. <laughs> you fucking want 10 grand. Some bullshit. Maybe uh-huh. I'm off in the number. I don't fucking know. But whatever. That was just fucking weird to me. That's fucking yeah. They they Remy and Orsillo were in the next booth over from us. So you know, you go to you go to your inning break, you got ninety seconds to take a piss. So I, I ran into those guys a lot, like just sprinting out the hallway into the into the men's room. But yeah, Orsillo was always super upbeat. Uh yeah, I was really sad to see him go actually. Really? Yeah. I couldn't stand the fucker when he came on, but when him and Jerry would start laughing. <laughs> like, it, I remember one night specifically it happened. They got the, you know, Jay Peterman from fucking Seinfeld. Uh-huh. That dude, like, he was in the crowd. He was like, oh, this is my new wife. And, like, 
it was just a weird like interview like randomly Jay Peterman guys like on fucking thing and they just like fucking they made some joke about her having a new wife smell you know <laughs> and fucking like they just laughed their fucking asses they off they like to giggle yeah I was like this is the most entertaining broadcast I've ever fucking seen cause it's like not politically correct sort of like they're uh-huh. not supposed to fucking criticize their fucking <laughs> you know their guests and shit like that they like to giggle yeah I don't know. I think sports calling in general sucks lately, though. I think MMA is the only sport that actually does it kind of interestingly. Yeah, I like Tony Romo at, at, on CBS. I agree. It's funny because, you know, it's, that's what, it, ideally that's what broadcasters are there for, to tell you something about the game that you would not know just by looking at it. And Romo is giving you that. He's able to see how teams will line up and say, hey, here's what I think they're going to do. And I, it just it further highlights just how fucking stale and sad the state of, of 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 you know sports broadcasting is where you've got you know your your Phil Sims and your your Dan Fouts and guys uh. who just aren't like what they've been doing such a bad job for so long that when someone comes along and does something so minimal like give you an insight on a football play the whole fucking internet explodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, dude. People are freaking out about that first call I heard from Tony. Fucking. It was infinitely better. Yeah, I mean, and in in you know classic fashion, the the old you know the the old guard of broadcasters comes right down, and Gilbrandt fucking tears him a new one. Like Gilbrandt, the same guy who wished Joe Mixon, <laughs> you know, the best of luck in a long career of beating up women. Um, <laughs> Fuck, had, running back for Cincinnati. Yeah, comes out and criticizes Tony Romer for doing an actually good job. See, how come fucking Tom Brady gets a bad name, but Joe Mixon gets taken, what, the first round of some shit? Fucking shitbag Cincinnati? Fucking, like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, to (laughs) give Cincinnati fans credit, like, they were not... They were not behind that that draft pick whatsoever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, ruined Ray Rice's career. It did. It it begrudgingly, the NFL kicked Ray Rice out. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's that's another thing that, that is worth knowing for for historical purposes. The Ravens knew about that. Uh, you know, it's been proven that they saw the videotape. That you know they were in touch with the Baltimore police about it. They knew what happened and they knew the severity of it, and they tried to get away with a, a two-game uh, team suspension. And the NFL went along with it, and it wasn't until that video went public that they actually had to take action. And it's absolutely shameful. Isn't it fucked up that TMZ is, like, the one legitimate network, so to say, nowadays that actually will fucking cause legitimate social fucking action and, like, fucked up issues? I don't know if I'd go that crazy with TMZ, but they were in the right in this situation. TMZ, you know, along with the Boston Globe, along with Ben Volan, uh, we're, we're perfectly fine trying to push the story that uh, Darius Fleming uh, lied about saving a, a, a family from a flaming car, if you remember that one. Yeah, what was the, who did that guy play for again? I forgot. Patriots. When was that, though? This was 2015, 16. He fucking lied about rescuing a, a family from a flaming car. The, the story was... Well, this, he thought the car was on fire. It was actually just uh, smoke from the from the airbag. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the the story that uh, that Ben Volan ran with at you know his editor's request was that uh, he checked with the Foxborough or Attleboro, whoever it was, police, and they had no record of it, um, which wasn't true, which was never true. But they ran with the story anyways, just to get it out there, and TMZ went along with it. 
No shit. Yeah. So that was it. I'd maybe pump the brakes on. Uh, well, they killed Princess uh, Diana too. I yeah. mean, or something. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> outlaws freedom, and only TMZ outlaws will have freedom. Freedom is outlawed, and only TMZ well, outlaws. Grab will have it by the pussy, though. That was TMZ. <laughs> that, that was, was that's TMZ. Big. That's big. <laughs> I'm defending TMZ. Look, you excited that OJ Simpson's out of jail? You feel safe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Safest, yeah. I mean, yeah, what the hell went happened there? Well, I like the OJ Man America thing on ESPN that came out. I've only seen bits and pieces of that. Uh, I, keep meaning, I, mean, I, I don't have. You got to watch I keep that. meaning to find 15 hours of free free time. It's 10 hours. It. 10 hours. Oh, okay, excuse me. Yeah, five, five fucking two hour ones. 10 hours. hours. Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah. It's not no Vietnam War. I'm mm. not going to fucking kill the party talking about that right now. <laughs> fucking, but, you know, fucking. Um, you know what's funny is that with that Trump thing, it's like. Uh, I worked for uh, another TV network where we would see um, you would get what we call REM feeds. When these are remote feeds, from, they come straight from the truck uh, before they hit the hops that bring them to, to broadcast, which is you know exactly where that, that Trump tape came from. And you, when you know people aren't on air, like you see and hear some some really <laughs> some really silly shit. Uh, I remember. I was watching a Patriots pregame show, uh, or, or Patriots uh, preseason game, and they're pre-taping the the intro, and uh, it's Christian Fourier and, and Dan Roche, and uh, they you know they roll the graphics and you know this obviously isn't live, but Christian Fourier is like you know coming to you live from from Gillette Stadium. We've got the the Carolina Patriots and and he stops and Christian Fourier is this big big guy and he goes. Darn it. Darn it, Dan. I said the wrong thing again. And Dan Roche, oh, my God. He's, it's all right. It's preseason. He's half the size of Christian Fourier. Yeah. Puts his hands on his hips and just glares at Fourier. He's like, come on. And Fourier is like backside. He's like, Dan, I'm so sorry, Dan. Darn it. I'll, I'll get it right. The, the death stare that Dan Roche gave Christian Fourier, laughing my ass off. And most of the, the time, it's, you know, I... Without naming names, just like people complaining about having swamp ass behind the desk, <laughs> really, <laughs> all kinds of shit that you know you, you never see. Most of the times, it's just Jerry Callahan talking about bus stops and fucking Dorchester, <laughs> fucking getting suspended. You know. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that guy. Do you like uh, Sports Hub? We, I mean, like, uh, I, I I love it compared to fucking EEI. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> I, I, I'm not a Toucher and Rich guy. I'm certainly not a Felger and fucking Maz guy. Why are you a Felger and Maz guy? <sighs> Felger. Them? That's like the number two thing in the history of the world. I'm fucking, sure, yeah. I'm same sure with Toucher and Rich. That's, that's a funny show. You know, it's. Uh, I, I was a comm major in my undergrad, and you know, theory number one that you learn about in comm theory is. It's called the the magic bullet theory. It's this guy Wilbur Schramm who uh, made his pre World War II theory that anything that happens in mass media is a magic bullet that goes into your brain and you believe that forever. And we, it's it, the first thing you start with because it's the first thing they ever thought about mass communication. And then the professor always says, "We obviously know that this isn't true." <laughs> Flash forward to 21st century America, and Felger and fucking Maz are on the radio and can come up with a point, come up with this. I'll give them credit. They're fantastic heels. They are brilliant at what they do about getting townies riled the fuck up. You know, I'll sit there. 
perfect example. I remember them coming up like, "Hey, Mike, Mike, do you think that do you think that that Belichick is is sabotaging Tom Brady to keep his numbers down so that he can renegotiate for a, for a lower a lower price?" <laughs> and they'd go back and forth. Oh no, that well that that's not a thing. And then they would both make their cases and they would talk themselves into it and then say, "Oh, you know, it, it it makes a lot of sense that Belichick is sabotaging Tom Brady. <laughs> it's sabotaging the team so he can sign him for a lower price." And then ten minutes later, it's like you know people are talking about this. Yeah, dude, you're fucking talking about this. <laughs> and then the dipshit there. Comes fucking Clem and Middleborough. Uh, you know, I'm fucking, you know, I'm thinking about it. And, yeah, people are talking about this, and Belichick is definitely sabotaging Brady's stats. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like you were here, you saw the whole life cycle of I'm making up a lie, and now people are talking. I'm talking about myself making up a lie. Meanwhile, Brady's this altruistic motherfucker taking like a pay cut, league <laughs> <big> minimum, <laughs> like a socialist. Well, that, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's actually a myth. Is that he didn't he. he Brady never actually left any money off the table. He, really? He reached. Come yeah. on, not my Tom Brady. No, he, he never. He he moved the money around. He got. That, I mean, that's what the Patriots do. They create bigger signing bonuses to lessen cap hits. Um, I mean, that's the that's the glory of Bill Belichick is that he has an economics background and he can do that while, you know, balancing uh, balancing the roster. Does the fact that Bill Belichick is such a genius make you want to join the Navy? <laughs> I hadn't thought of it like that, but shit, maybe I'll sign up. I mean, considering that, you know, his father wrote a book. His father did write a book. What was it called? Uh, football football scouting, scouting Techniques. That, yeah. Yeah, holy shit, that book is... If, if you're looking for a, a, a light summer read, then fucking don't touch that. I mean, <laughs> if, if you... If, I, own it, I own it, I've read it, and it is fucking arduous. Um, and... It, if you read that, you will understand. You know, you will have a much, much deeper appreciation for Bill, Bill Belichick and everything that he, he does. Just because the the book revolves around like, sit down, you watch the tape, you watch the play through, through it its entirety, just watching the safeties. Then you look through it, just watching the corners. Then you look through it again, just watching the linebackers. Then you look through it again, just watching the defensive linemen. You note the the down, the distance, the score, the formation they're in. Uh, do the safeties rotate, and it's just so much detail goes into one single play. And they, he was doing this on, you know, on film reels too. This wasn't, you know, anything digital that you could just jog back and forth and pull right. up clips as you wanted to. Like this is how he approached every single game. It was hours and hours of work, and, and Bill was there with him doing it. I feel like so many metalheads miss out on the fucking deeply analytical value that fucking football has because in the end it's such a fucking intricate game that you know uh-huh. is like the ultimate fucking team game to me yeah and so many fucking metalheads just don't fucking get that concept like of team and, and furthermore too many bands uh-huh don't understand any concept of fucking teamwork or, you, know, you know who who's gonna bring the hi-hat who's gonna right. <laughs> let's have a plan here fucking <laughs> like <laughs> stupid shit like that you know yeah I was really fortunate to be there for that the fucking Belial uh, hi hat incident at, at Ralph's. Oh, where's the fucking hi hat? Where's the fucking Oh, yeah. Mortal, Mortal <laughs> Kombat. <laughs> you were there for that. That was show promotion at its best. It was fucking drunk Kevin Ord cursing <laughs> on Belial. <laughs> I, I, I fucking died here. Like, no, we've, uh, I interviewed them. Did you hear that interview I did I with did them? I did not, no. Mort? Was it? Oh, you? Yeah, I, I heard you interview more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I was not aware of a Belial. 
fucking. So oh, that's that's a fuck. I don't even know if I talked about that, but that was one of the fucking funniest things I've ever seen. Is fucking Kevin yelling. I I was DJing. I cut the music too, so I could hear what he was fucking. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's kind of inside, but um. Yeah, where's the fucking hi-hat? But that's the thing. Teamwork, man. Fucking these New York bands showing up here with a fucking giant fucking van full of nothing. <laughs> like, you know? Like, yeah. Where, where's the teamwork? Where's the communication? Who's the offensive coordinator that's yeah. going to tell fucking that special was teams? Always the, that was my one of my... Uh, of all the things I hated about being in bands, and there were many, uh, having to fucking, you know, chum up with, with other bands, to, like basically beg people to let you use gear that they already agreed to, to use or like just coordinating fucking anything with like the most irresponsible people on the fucking planet <laughs> really yeah really i was in uh, was a band called cutthroat um for like a month uh they were pretty big for a while but and we drove out to, to long island and i was there i was listening on the phone when the you know the promoter said we've got a bass cab for your bass player to use and i show up and this dude is just desperately trying to load his bass cab into his car to leave the show <laughs> and i'm like hey man can like i thought i was under the impression you were gonna let us use it and he's like you need a sans amp i'm like that's <laughs> no i don't need a fucking sand that's not a thing and it, like i had to like threaten to beat this kid up to get him to let me use his base cab. And that was just, that was a regular occurrence, man. What was the worst fight you ever got in at a show? <sighs> worst is in. <sighs> the first thing that comes to my mind, <laughs> one of the scariest uh, things that, that ever happened was um, Full Blown Chaos played. Um, Jesus, do I want to implicate myself in this? Full Blown Chaos played uh, upstairs at the Palladium, and God only knows what the fight started about because fucking nobody ever really knew. But I, I, I was in the back of the club when some guy tried to fight a friend of mine, and the next thing I knew, I was standing on the stage. I don't know how I got to the front of the... I don't know how I got to the stage. I'm on the stage jumping on this guy's head in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, maybe should have dialed. I got kicked out immediately. Obviously, <laughs> so maybe should have dialed that one back. But yeah, it's fu- I saw some horrifying fucking thing. I saw somebody get beat almost to death with a hammer. I saw, a, I saw a couple people that I thought were legitimately dead, um, without naming names. Uh, <laughs> anal cut at at <laughs> Romans. Uh, couple a couple dudes. Wait, uh, anal cut at where? Romans. Okay. Brockton. Really? Anal come play Romans. Oh my god, it was hysterical. What year was this? Uh, this is uh, two thousand eight, nine, I don't know. <laughs> I have to ask this Josh. Was, about this was after one. Seth came out of his coma. Was Josh Martin playing guitar? Uh yes. <laughs> yeah, he was. Um he played oh fuck, I remember. He played uh the only thing they had for him to play was a left handed guitar. So he played it upside down. <laughs> yeah. Seth is in there in a fucking walker. Uh, it's hysterical, but these these dudes, uh, and they all worked at the like all Nazi run Burger King in Weymouth. There <laughs> it was, was all Nazi run. Yeah, there was like a whole shift of of just like weird all like white power dudes that worked at, at fucking Burger Nazi, uh, right over <laughs> right over the Braintree line, and um, they showed up and like 
dude unzips his hoodie and he's got this big fucking swastika on his shirt. Like this, <laughs> of all like the stories of like hardcore dudes battling Nazis, like this is the most embarrassing and stupid one. <laughs> dude unzips his fucking his hoodie, starts throwing Ziegs, and you know that was the club that you know we had shows at every single week. So it didn't make a lot of sense to beat people to death on a regular basis because the cops come and then the owners get nervous and they want to shut it down. So somebody went up to the dude and said, hey, this is your last warning. Don't do that. He said, yeah, yeah, whatever. Kept throwing zigs. Okay. And this whole thing happened right, right next to me. And again, without naming names, uh, a couple of dudes just took these guys to school and beat the bag out of them. Uh, one of them got launched down the stairs, and it's <laughs> somebody went to the bottom of the stairs to find him and kicked him in the head on the way out the door. And I remember hearing the story afterwards. I said, you kicked him after you threw him down the stairs? And he said, honestly, I thought he was dead, and it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so beating up Nazis is American tradition. Always has been, always will be. Why is it fucking like all suddenly like like the right wing people turn into like the biggest pacifist humanitarians in the world? This weird Medusa defense where they're fucking projecting that they're fucking being fucking oppressed somehow. Fucking, you know. It's. I mean, I can tell you why they're they're distancing themselves from Nazis is because it's the the idea of the. The postmodern idea of the hyper real of something so cartoonishly out of control that you can point to and say this isn't real, this is something that exists in, uh, you know, a cartoon world where, you know, we didn't put a, a, a you know, Nazi supporting president in office. Those are for the people, you know, marching down the street and it, it, throwing zigs and with with tiki torches. That's that's not us. We're just the people who voted for the guy. Who, who had no problem supporting these people. Yeah, it doesn't condemn that. <laughs> no, exactly, yeah. Well, you know, Hillary's much worse now. Fucking, you know, she's a goddamn criminal. Hillary offender. Clinton is the worst person in the world, and <laughs> Donald Trump is even worse. You like Bernie? I didn't want to get into it, but yeah. I, I, I like Bernie. Like I wrote that fucking name in on the fucking ballot, dude. <laughs> He was my guy. I thought I, I, it's quite the dream, isn't it? It is quite the dream. I mean, just look at the the standing rock protests. I mean, way after anybody cared about that, way after when Obama wouldn't go out there, when Hillary Clinton, Clinton wouldn't acknowledge it, Bernie Sanders. It, way after he lost the election, Bernie Sanders was out there trying to help those people, uh, and that should have shown you exactly what Bernie Sanders was trying to help those people while Donald Trump was investing in the. Uh, fossil fuel companies trying to put a pipeline through their fucking water supply. That should have been the tail of the tape right there, but it wasn't, and now here we are. I always feel, though, that I'm more inclined to fucking vote Democratic because I feel like those people actually do give a fuck about what they're talking about. Unlike many of the Republicans who come in from this private business world, mm -hmm. show up for a, a term or two, and then peace out and just make a bunch of money off of fucking whatever they set up for themselves in there. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel great validating the two-party system. I mean, there's a reason why people felt a disconnect with, with the Democratic Party. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's it's really not a... It's, it's not a... I mean, people want everything to be professional wrestling, where there's a heel and there's a face. And it's true in football, it's true in wrestling, it's true in politics. Um and it's just not how things work in real life. Do you think wrestling, professional wrestling, is 
an integral part of American culture? Should we 100%. understand as Americans the whole industry and nature of of the craft and theater of it all? I I used to say this to my I used to teach uh, TV production uh, at a community college, and I would say to my students, everything in film comes back to the Nazis, and everything in life comes back to professional wrestling. Uh, pro wrestling is been a part of american history for you know over 100 years it is storytelling at its at its best um where you can get a total stranger to get everybody to like them or hate them based off of a story that they're telling in a way and showing people you know something that they identify in themselves that they either like or that they hate uh there's nothing else like that there's nothing else like pro wrestling. I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a poser in a lot of ways, but I, I genuinely value what pro wrestling has to teach us uh, as Americans, as, as, as human beings. Really? Yeah. Really? I mean, my buddy Joe Numbers and I, we, we, we talked about this, um, and I, I, I wrote about this on Pat's Creek, um, about Tom Brady. Uh, and, you know, why he doesn't fly with, with most people. It's because, you know, he's this clean-cut dude you know supermodel wife the best they're ever the best quarterback in, in nfl history he's the best at what he does he doesn't get any trouble he doesn't have any you know skeletons in his closet and people hate his fucking guts well and joe's thing was that the the baby face the good guy has to have uh has to have a downside to him at some point he has to have a failure he ha- there has to be something that you can sympathize in him with and say, oh, this is the struggle I face in life. And people aren't able to see that in a guy who has a fucking supermodel wife and an impeccable football career and has money for fucking eternity. Um, and that's why Tom Brady doesn't doesn't fly with people. And it, Peyton Manning, on the other hand, does kind of have that. The thing about Peyton Manning that makes him so likable to not just NFL fans, but makes him you know, the poster boy for the NFL for so long is because he lived the gimmick, so to speak. You know, Tom Brady's a really private person where, you know, he, he doesn't make a lot of public appearances. He, he you know, he does, he, he did fucking Uggs print ads because he's too rigid to be out on a cam- <laughs> on camera. <laughs> I mean, if you remember him on Saturday Night Live, that was painful. Just, yeah, just no, got it's awful. not good. But Peyton Manning's a guy who, you know. Peyton's a clown. I like to laugh at him. I mean, he's ostensibly, he's ostensibly the, the same guy on the field as the same guy that goes to the podium and says, oh, shucks, you know, and yeah, yeah. Eli and all oh, shucks and Omaha and all that. He's the same guy that does the fucking uh, uh, chicken parm ads. He's the same guy that does the Papa John ads. It's all the same character to people. It's all part of the same simulacra. So that's easy to say, oh, it's, this, this is the, the continuity of Peyton Manning and the cartoon character and the football player are all the same thing. I can, I can, I can relate to that in, in a way. Is Tom Brady the John Cena of the WWF? He kind of, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. I re- when I was talking to Joe about this, like this is, the, the, that was the exact parallel he made. John Cena wins all the time, way too perfect, does not have a downside to him. Right. Yeah. The inf- wow. all right. yeah. So fucking where's Donald Trump falling into all this? What can Donald Trump's experience in wrestling teach us about fucking our point in history? I mean, this is... Uh, 
it, it, we're, we're breaking the fourth wall here. He's, he fuck, <laughs> he's, he's been a pro wrestling character literally for, for all this time. And we all said, you know, we will, yes, we would love our lives. Uh, we would love the future of our country to be a, a fucking, uh, a, a shoot interview, a fucking pro wrestling vignette. <sighs> yeah. It sucks. Neckbreaker's going off the air. Are they really? Yeah. Neckbreaker was fun. Fucking. Cause you know, I think you'd be fucking outstanding for like that's what like any sort of panel like that. Like you, you yeah, have this man. whole cr- you know analytical fucking fringe to it that I never. I just think some guys look like Cory Booker. I'm like, all right, <laughs> fucking. <like." laughs> Neckbreaker was fun, man. Like you get like, I mean, sometimes the guests were really dry, but you know, you get the the thing Keith did with them was one of my favorite podcasts ever. Just letting Keith fucking rip on all the wild ass stories he's ever done. <laughs> Uh, that was fun as hell. And then you check like their their Facebook wall, and it's like talk about wrestling. It's like Keith just told like the craziest fucking stories about like running from Nazis and shooting locks off doors uh, to, to escape Nazis. It, and people want to hear about fucking Cole Cabana and <laughs> dumbass shit. It's funny, man. I they, he he did another one with uh. Yeah, he did another one with Keith and uh, Eric Braunschweiger. Yeah, I heard that one too. Yeah, yeah. before Eric did did your podcast, and I, I remember talking to Eric because like he just kind of went. Eric was there, but anybody who knows Keith knows that you're you're, you're part of the Keith show. <laughs> you know, he, he just kind of let him rip, and Eric's Eric's a really smart dude, but he's he's a he's a quiet guy comparatively, and just kind of kind of picks his picks his spots. It's a funny funny uh, juxtaposition between the two. Fucking. What's better than a juxtaposition, though? And fucking, I mean, like, what do you do you think that Brady and Belichick are the ultimate du- juxtaposition, or is it fucking like you know something else? I don't know. Juxtaposition <laughs> to what? The rest of the league? The rest of the world history. <laughs> I don't know if I if I had put Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick against up against the you know up against Western civilization as a whole, but yeah, I mean, you think they deserve a comic book at least? <laughs> they do have that. Can, can we address the the fucking insufferable uh, TV times? Oh, you don't like the TV <laughs> times? I subscribe. What fucking the like. absolute hell was going on? If anybody hasn't seen it, like, I mean, the this TV is, times is Tom Brady's personal newspaper yeah, where he they, saves the day every fucking day. <laughs> <laughs> I I was just really really confused by that weird comic strip that he put out after the Jets game. I didn't the, even get that. I didn't read it's, it. It's it is a it, the TV Times comics and it's a story of this private detective tracking down this hot tub salesman who is selling people disingenuous hot tubs that have the, the jets don't work is the word play the jets are, don't work and he's selling people uh bathtubs and the guy goes to t- turn on the, f- the fake hot tub and dante hightower comes out of nowhere and punches this guy in the face and then he's revealed to be a crocodile of some kind what <laughs> he is a crocodile person yeah is no. he a crocodile salesman he's a crocodile uh, hot tub salesman in disguise <laughs> as a human being and it makes no fucking sense whatsoever uh, and I, my theory is that these were batshit crazy on purpose because anybody who you know plays 60 minutes of football and loses to Tom Brady has to have the the, the insult to injury of reading this fucking absolutely batshit thing that makes no fucking sense whatsoever. 
I don't know. It started off simple. Like, fucking, you just used to throw a fucking lasso around the Bronco. Yeah. You know? Yeah, these fucking, are things that like, made sense. Fucking, like, the, 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 the dolphin would do something weird, and he'd just fucking help out. And yeah. Like, they, you know, there was, like, a Viking. He was like, okay, Viking. You know, like, <laughs> and like a bear. Exactly. Like, you know? But then now with this fucking, it's like a multi-panel fucking with a plot, and then there's fucking, you know, I, I couldn't follow that. And this year, I just think he's been off. Go back to the basics, Tom. Give me a Buffalo Bill, you know, fucking like. <laughs> are we talking? Are we talking football? Or are we still talking? Oh, TV Times. Uh, yeah, it, it comes out every Sunday. Please, please, if Tom, <laughs> I know you're listening to this. Please stop at the TV Times. So, man, go on, yo. You hit a deer. <laughs> Fuck. Where? That's fucked up. He was staring you down. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> you all good in the front end though? No lights out? Fuck. <laughs> I hit one up in Manitoba years ago. Huh? I hit one up in Manitoba years ago. It was fucking wild. Probably, you probably <laughs> fucking, uh, the bladder, that's what happens. You can't eat the meat. No shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll check it out. I'm, I'm doing a podcast right now. <laughs> fucking, I'll get the microphones out. My buddy's here from Somerville. Oh, Yeah. Cheers, Lou. <laughs> talking Patriots. Oh, <laughs> Uh, it's, what, what's the matter? What's going on? Who are you? What are you? Uh, Giants? Jets? No. no. Bears? Yeah. You're a Patriots fan? Of course. All right, all right. Let's just making yeah. sure. Put it this way. Sunday night, I'll have the 28-3 shirt on. Fuck yeah. There you go. And I've been recording every... Oh, yeah. I used to work at the Jets Stadium years ago. That's good money. No. I worked at Spooky World there. <laughs> oh, okay. That's not bad. That was all right. No, yeah, I know. It's wicked bad. All right, cheers, man. I'll talk to you. I'll be on the porch sometime. So fucking, um, we were talking about the TV Times. Fuck. <laughs> the fucking, the illustrious Tom Brady fucking comic book that fucking comes out on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, hell, man. Maybe if you're looking for a, if you're looking for a downside to Tom Brady, it is the TB Times. TB Times. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> That's his John Cena fucking <laughs> That's his homardia. <laughs> Man, I was bummed to see Aaron Rodgers get fucking a broken clavicle. Fucking, yeah. Because he's the only dude I would take for a quarterback other than Tom Brady at this I, point. I league. love tearing into Packers fans because they are dumb as bricks. They're a bunch of socialists. I, I don't know if I call it. <laughs> socialists. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They, they, they rule their team by committee. Yes, that is true. Um, but, yeah, it, the NFL is – Infinitely worse without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it just just goes back to you know, everybody wants to see fucking big hits and helmet to helmet hits and oh it's football and oh, you gotta you gotta let them kill each other and <laughs> you know it, there's just this big like opposition to wanting to lessen you know the effects of CTE and, and you know I understand that it, it threatens the game to to a large extent, but. You know, seeing players go down and seeing you know guys get hurt—that sucks, especially when they're star players. We lost this year. We've lost Aaron Rodgers, uh, J.J. Watt. Uh, you know, is 
Uh, Adele Beckham. Beckham Jr. Uh, I don't know. I'm sick of that guy. He's got talent. <laughs> He's got great hands, man. He's got great ups. But fucking this fucking guy, fucking crying, crying and kicking fucking oh, he's nets out of his and mind. shit. Yeah. Ugh. He's I mean, the game's mind. good though. It's good for the game. I'm into it. Yeah. I mean, I, I like a guy to hate on. You talking about pro wrestling? So you kind of exactly. Fuck with, you know. But I can't hate Eli. I think Eli's just this dumb motherfucking kid <laughs> that got dropped on. You ever see the the ESPN film The Book of Manning? The, oh yes. It's kind of fucking insufferable to sit through. But there's like one clip where they first show Eli. He's like. Like a five-year-old kid, like in a dress, he's like, <laughs> like, he's just like an idiot. It's like, oh, he's just a five-year-old kid. You don't know what's going, on. you know, like yeah. fucking, like, I don't know. He's just like this eternal fucking and retard. This, this ties right back into everything I said before: the prestige factor. This, this phony prestige of the Manning legacy, and you know, Archie Manning wasn't—he was a good, not great quarterback. You know, we've we've you know put him on a pedestal because he had two sons who you know won. One four Super Bowls combined. Um, it's it's a false narrative, uh, you know. And, and people sided with the with the Mannings over over Tom Brady because of you know a fake legacy. And I don't know. They hate California because it's full of liberals. Let's be honest. <laughs> fucking, that's why. Maybe <laughs> Tom Brady would have fucking kneeled in the sixties. <laughs> fucking like they were like, who's this fucking California jackass kid? Fucking kneeling, fucking. <laughs> I don't know. I like being a Patriots fan, though. Cause yeah, I don't hate it. <laughs> no, well, no, but I like being a little. I like being a fucking shit heel like that. I've always admired Raiders fans. I think they're a bunch of cocksuckers, but they're fucking all right. All right, fucking, you know, they go off of that shit. Yeah, they're, I mean, their ability to stab Chargers fans is, <laughs> is really something. High numbers there. Yeah, yeah. Wow, they it's really a- fucked over the Chargers, though. Giving fucking the, uh, taking away San Diego, moving them, it's like three hours north up to fucking Los Angeles. I do not understand the mandate to get Los Angeles uh, uh, to... Uh, one football team, let alone two teams. I I don't understand it whatsoever. Um, Second biggest media market. Yeah, and you know they had a football team, and there's a reason why they don't. They had two football teams. There's a reason why they don't. Um, and they don't want. <laughs> they don't want the Chargers of all things. They do not want them whatsoever. And it's just it's very it's a very odd negotiation to see this this whole thing come to pass. What's weirder, football in Los Angeles or no football in St. Louis? Honestly, to me, football in Los Angeles. I mean, the the attendance sucks. Uh, people just don't want it. It's, it's. I don't understand the insistence on calling this, you know, a, a historical event of watching the Jeff, watching the Jeff Fisher Rams <laughs> come back, <laughs> come to the fucking L.A. Coliseum. Uh, no, that was not an event, of, an event of historical significance to me. No, fucking Fisher's got to be a traditionalist at least in the past twenty years. Yeah, I mean he's a little, he's got a little riverboat in him and shit, but fucking like you know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a great example. Like, you know, what was it about Jeff Fisher that made the Rams say this is our guy? Like, this is a guy who sputtered out, who had his time as a as you know a really successful coach of the of the Titans, and then sputtered out. Like, he was done, and it, there was nothing about him. You know, as coach of the of the Rams, that you saw that said, "Yeah, this is the guy who's leading a team who has fifty three players who want to play for him." Like it was a fucking zoo. 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't respect any other coaches other than Tom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. That's it. Yeah. I fucking Andy Reid, I kind of want to respect, but he's so fat, I can't. Like, <laughs> it's just like, this guy's a fucking I'm fridge. I'm more worried about his shit clock management and his terrible <laughs> playoff record. You want to like Joe Pagano, kind of, but fuck the Colts, and then he fucks up last night. Fucking Chuck Pagano's a horrendous coach. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad he's not dead. Right. <laughs> I like Tom Coughlin, though. Respect to Tom Coughlin. Yeah, you got BC, no choice. Come on, you had no choice but to. Yeah, yeah. Simple as that. I mean, the team wanted to fire him. The fans wanted to fire him. The media wanted to fire him. Comes out, beats the best coach of all time at two Super Bowls. What What do you want from me? He's 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 a good coach. That's all it is. What's that? Uh, you know who I who I fucking love beating more than any of them was fucking with Dick Vermeil. The fucking the Rams there, fucking go to work, yeah. Oh, that guy fucking crying all the time and shit. <laughs> fucking Jesus Christ, that fucking mess. That's his fucking name, right? Dick Vermeil. Which the guy who coached the Rams when we beat him, the greatest show on on, on uh, turf. You're talking about Mike Martz. Mike Martz. Mike Martz. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for the. The I guy mean, who cries, the head coach of the Rams when we beat him. Mike Martz. Yeah, I mean it's it's just funny, like. For as long as people stood there and said that the Super Bowl 36 Patriots were nobodies. The team was nobodies. How could they possibly beat Mike Martz in the, in the, in the St. Louis Rams? Look at the career Bill Belichick has had compared to the career Mike Martz has had. Like The last time we saw Mike Martz, he was getting his ass kicked out of Chicago because he was putting together the worst fucking offense in the league. I mean... It, Mike Mars' history show was not a good coach. He had a he had his time. He had a loaded roster. He did a good job with it. He ended up winning the Super Bowl. But he was not a coach that could beat Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. It it, it just it wasn't going to happen. And then look at the Patriots roster. That that Marshall Falk still insists, still the traditionalists again, still insist that we're a team of nobodies. This is fucking Teddy Bruschi, Willie McGinnis, Laurie Malloy, Ty Law. Tom Brady. It, it, this is a team that history showed, you know, was significantly better than the Rams, even if it didn't seem so at the time. Yeah, fundamentally on every angle. Yeah. Did you watch the greatest show on turf on the fucking uh, NFL Network? The no. Film they made it? about him. No, that can't Do, say it. Doesn't really go anywhere. <laughs> hey, just like yeah, like the Super Bowl Thirty Six Rams. Yeah, exactly. What a bunch of douchebags. Yeah, yeah, fucking Central Illinois. What was that? Warren with the Central Illinois uh, or uh, Western Illinois, Iowa, or the fuck it was? Some no name no fucking idea. jerk off school. You know what? It's, it's something I think about a lot. Um, that Super Bowl 36 and uh, 38, the Patriots and Panthers, they both ended the same way. And this, if, if you still think there was anything nefarious about the Super Bowls, that. The, the last two minutes of those games should tell you the story. Ricky Prohl in both games catches the game tying touchdown, and especially with the Rams, less so, less so with the, the Panthers, you can see it. The reaction on the bench, and just everybody just relax. Everybody picks a big sigh of relief. You know, there's Kurt Warner, Ricky Prohl. They're stretched out on the bench. They're having a great time. They're convinced they're going to overtime, and that you know, they're gonna get their coronation after all and they just relaxed and if you i mean compare that to you know the sound effects from uh um, super bowl 51 patriots and, and and falcons i love the sound effects show yeah man fucking uh 
the Patriots are driving down the field or, or, or starting to put together. Uh, Tom Brady just scored a. Or, Tom Brady. Uh, Patriots just scored a touchdown. They're, they're they're moving the comeback along, and fucking Geno Grissom, uh, guy who you know wasn't even on the, the the active roster most of the season. Fucking bottom of the roster player. It's got his helmet off. He is going up and down the sidelines, screaming his head off, getting everybody fired up to, to go make this comeback happen. Like that's a team that's that's locked the fuck in. That's the team that's going to win a Super Bowl. Not a team that's lounging on the sidelines saying just waiting for overtime. And Belichick saw that. Uh, you know, the Patriots offense saw that. And they saw the Rams go into, you know, prevent defense and let Troy Brown, who was, I mean, look at the numbers, he was like eighty percent of their offense on his own. Like that's where the ball. You don't need to. You don't need the game plan anymore. That that's where the ball is going, and they let him walk right across the middle of the field for his giant game and set up a, the game-winning field goal. Like that's why they lost because they weren't ready for it. They weren't prepared to play that game against a team that wanted it more than them. It's so crazy though, because fucking in the end, fucking the good coaches fucking bring out those grissoms. Yeah. And make them fucking charge up and down the fucking sideline. They bring it out in them and they find them in player acquisition. Precisely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my I, I talk about this all the time because I'm, I'm a big Alabama mark. Uh, Oklahoma, Alabama, the Iron Bowl. Uh, when I, I, I think it was. The Iron Bowl? Auburn? Uh, this was, yeah, it was Oklahoma and Alabama. Maybe it wasn't the Iron Bowl. But it was, you know. It was Grissom's junior year. Grissom and, and, and Eric Stryker absolutely murdered uh, a, the Alabama offensive line. Guys who they thought that were guaranteed first-round picks, blue-chip players. These guys went out and they just wanted it more. And that Belichick saw that, and that's why he's a Patriot. It's because you go out and you get these guys that are willing to out-effort other people. And that's... <laughs> It says a lot about fucking effort over skill set. Yeah, I mean that's something I learned from from Muay Thai. Um, you know, I've never been a. a you're looking at me. I'm not. I'm not a stellar athlete. Um, did but you get beat up a lot growing up? <laughs> I did not get beat up a lot growing right. up. Uh, yeah, just that there is there's you know natural athleticism, and then there's coachability, and there's the want to be better, the drive to be better. Uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of guys who are, you know, stellar natural athletes come into the gym and think that they're just going to coast to, you know, you know, amateur fighting career, or they're just going to pick it up all naturally, and they don't want to put the work in, and they end up getting bounced out. And then you get, you know, other guys who are fucking uncoordinated goofballs who just really, really want to do it, and they make progress slowly but surely, and they end up and they become, you know, really capable, really capable tie fighters. Um, yeah, and that's that's something that going back to, to scouting, like that's that's something you have to like get your hands on a player to to, to notice. You have to talk to these guys. You have to you have to find out who they are. Well, that, your point though, it makes me. That's what kind of attracts me to fucking like MMA is like literally the fighting spirit. Uh-huh. And I don't see that driving a lot of athletes nowadays. They talk about fucking baseball players really about being douchebags. Uh-huh. They're the biggest douchebags. Like seriously, like when you think about it, like. I think fishing's a sport. You probably disagree with me. But fucking, like, baseball to me is a fucking game. Uh-huh. Like, it's a fucking game. Uh-huh. Sure, you got to run fast. You got to learn how to fucking throw a ball. Uh-huh. But how much fucking physical shit are you doing that whole time? You know, honestly. Honestly. 
Yeah, I, it's it, it it does it it is a haven for you know guys who are look overweight and you know maybe aren't the fastest or they're the strongest. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I couldn't take David Ortiz in an arm wrestling match. I'll tell you that much. No, that's a good point right there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. like you said, uh, you know, MMA. Um, you look at the the fighters that are at the top of the uh, at the top of the sport. You look at in any sport. There's people who are who live it. Who you know don't care about anything else. Uh, you, my favorite fighter in the UFC right now, Yuana you, Yudzajek. Oh yeah, big time. Lives. She's the, she's the most explosive champion I think I've seen yet. Lives Muay Thai. Lives MMA. Uh, this woman is just inside out built for it, and that's why she's the best. And then you you can't you can't possibly compete with somebody who was born to be that. Honestly, I think Joanna Jorchenko. I can't fucking say that Yuzaychuk. name. Zaychuk. Zaychuk. She's the most dominant champion that I've actually seen. I, I've just gotten into fucking MMA in the uh-huh. past, like, three years. Yeah. Like, religiously watched every fucking card. And I really... Oh, Mighty Mouse is fucking impressive. That arm bar he just uh-huh. fucking threw there on fucking Borg fucking was one of the most gorgeous fucking sequences of I think the sport's ever seen. In yeah. my opinion, I haven't seen that in everything. I mean, if we're going to pick the most dominant MMA champion of all time... Uh, I'm I'm an Anderson Silva fanboy, so I'd I'd say that uh, he was untouchable when he was at the top of his game. Uh, yeah, he he set the standard. I mean, when I got into Muay Thai in the first place, everybody wanted to be Anderson Silva. Uh, that was that was the guy I idolized. So that'd be my pick. But yeah, I, Ronda Rousey was was dominant, of course. Um, I think when the sport. When women's MMA uh, evolved past her, uh, and you saw a higher level of competition, you had Zaychicks at, at the top, and, and no one's going to touch her for a long time. She's out striking every motherfucker, though, out there. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. She was a pro Muay Thai fighter before she came to, to MMA. I mean, you've got you've got you know world-class strikers in, in, in women's MMA now, but she's... She's far and away the best. It's it's amazing. Very disappointed to see Geronda made that fucking secede or whatever you want to call it. Fucking to, to fucking dumb cyborg. That fucking freak of fucking steroids there. Yeah, I mean that. It it. I I've been calling it you know MMA by committee. In that you know there there was no need to get cyborg into into the UFC like to not only lure her into the UFC but to create a whole weight class just for her. And then to see her climb in the ring with, like, I mean, I, I don't want to talk shit about somebody that, that was in the ring, and I wasn't, but somebody that was a, essentially, like, you know, Barry Horowitz, the fucking, this, this, like, nobody slapdick jobber who they just, they found to, to take a fight. Uh, and, you know, Cyborg's her body's just so beat up from so many years of steroid abuse that it takes fucking, what, three and a half rounds to finish her? Embarrassing. I mean, and it, it's it's just funny watching like MMA man, MMA fans who called for this stupid shit to happen, who convinced themselves they wanted it, to see them have to watch it and then convince themselves that they don't fucking hate it because yeah. it they obviously it's just god fucking awful. Fucking, it's interesting though with MMA because in all the masculinity and all that bullshit too. I think fucking um. The female division is really fucking caught on. R- Rousey, obviously. Uh-huh. You had a fucking great comment, though, about fucking how Amanda Nunes, and I think, can't quote you straight up, but it was uh, the phrase you used was every troglite 
UFC fan nightmare. It is because she's an act. She's an actually technically sound fighter who is excellent in every way, but is a unattractive lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy to be here tonight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All the all the goddamn all the stupid things that I mean MMA is just such a weird sport that it, it. it, it attracts there's such a separation in intelligence between fighters and and fans like you know there, there's a of guys that i've trained with there's this big big array of like you know engineers and like construction workers and everything in between uh, but everybody you know cares really deeply for the sport and thinks about it a lot and like has like a philosophical approach to it and then it, it it gets to the fan level, and it's like, yeah, but she's fucking not even that hot, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just fucking, yeah. Like this was wasted on you, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because you see something like like Paige Van Zant, and it's like I don't know if that's just is that a Christian to the lion? Is she, she that good? She is very good. Yeah, I mean, she she. Uh, the last I remember, she lost the f- she she dropped the fight and the karate hottie there. Yeah, and then the, the hype train kind of slowed down, but she's really good. Uh, Rose Nami Yunus, who's fighting Yuzaychik for for the championship, she's really really good. I don't see her taking Yuzaychik. Um, you think she'll go the distance? You got a prediction on that one coming up? It's a good you know, card. It is a good card. You know, I I could see Yuzaychik uh, knocking her out. Um, I know she. It's not something she usually does. Um, she's usually good at just grinding people out. Nami Yunus is is really good at. She's good kind of that Taekwondo style where she plays really really long. And Yozechik plays long in her own way too. But I could see her. I could see her missing on one of those front kicks and then Yozechik just closing the distance and, and shutting her down. I don't know. That's my prediction. You got to close it on the third round, fourth round. <laughs> <laughs> you trying to put some money on this? Yeah, third no, round. Sure. Third round? You fucking like that? Set in you stone. like the action? Love it. Set in stone. Because <laughs> fucking, <coughs> I don't know. I think Rose might be a little tough, but I don't know if she's just got the stand. I don't know. She's she's I, outstanding, dude. She's a great fighter. She's definitely got the heart for it. Uh, I don't think she has the technique to, to beat Yudzaychik, no. It's kind of like the fucking women's division. Most of MMA has even got that effect we were talking about with fucking like MLB or even fucking the NFL where there's a couple great fucking teams but mm-hmm. overall shit in the fucking division. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the way. It's, it, it's, it's the nature of the beast, though. I mean, you're always going to have guys that are... It, UFC has been accused and criticized for their, you know, the talent scouting and, and their signings and everything. But I think there's a there's a really good wave of, of fighters coming in. I'm um, really high on uh, Rob Font, as a guy who's a former tra- training partner of mine. Uh, another former training partner of mine, kid named Mike Rodriguez, who went viral on uh, that that UFC competition show. He, he he knocked some guy out with a flying knee. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Look that up. It, it, it's really, really quick. But uh, yeah, he took a guy out the flying knee. He, he I, I like bragging about this because it makes me feel like a badass. But Mike, uh, Mike hit me with the knee so hard one time, I, I couldn't stand up straight for a week. <laughs> <laughs> it was not like. What did he hit you? He, um, he had just gotten offered. Uh, a title shot in C- uh, CES when he was starting his amateur career. Uh, so he was all fired up. And the gym we were training at was kind of a new a new gym, so there wasn't a huge talent pool there. 
I was, I mean, me, I'm one of the bigger guys there. Mike fights at 185, and he's absolutely enormous. Uh, so I had to spar with Mike a lot because I was one of the bigger guys who had actual technique. And he was just so far out of my class. And so we're sparring, and he's sparring way too because he's all fired up about the fucking title shot. Back me into a corner. Uh, beautiful technique. Just just trapped the arms and hit me with the long knee in the, in the, in the chest. Right in the bridge of the sternum here. Uh, went down like a ton of bricks. Got got up, finished the round, but you know I went got up the next morning and like everything had seized up, and I'm like just trying to sit down on my desk like a fucking question mark, looking like an idiot. Yeah, I so get, getting hit in the fucking chest and the sternum, fucking completely, fuck. Yeah, I mean the 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 sternum. That's where the the muscles all kind of bridge together. You ever been rubbed there? She like my wife's like a fucking former paramedic. And that's okay. what they do to wake up patients. Really? Like is, that would make they sense, give yeah. this like knuckle rub on the sternum. Yeah. It's fucking painful. Yeah, it does suck, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't feel good getting need there. Yeah, that it's one of a couple of like kind of scary injuries that I took in my my career as a as a sub amateur MMA guy. Uh, yeah, so you never had no fucking like High matches where you dip the the gloves and, <laughs> and glue and glass. I and fought a I fought a it's it's funny because I fought no a smokers. I fought a smoker. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and when you try to explain it to people, you have, kind of have to say that it's not technically legal. It's kind of on the illegal side, and that it's not like sanctioned. It's you're really not supposed to have it. And like everybody's mind immediately goes to the fucking kumite and yeah, drug, putting glass on your knuckles and shit. Like none of that shit <laughs> happens. This was a very very safe match. Sixteen ounce gloves. Uh, you're supposed to wear headgear, but we didn't. Um, it was fun though. It's crazy. I was actually hanging out with the, the drummer of Suffocation the other day. Oh no shit. Yeah, and he was um, actually in that movie Fight Club. He was a blonde dude. Oh no shit. Like beaten to a pulp. <laughs> fucking by Edward Norton. That's he, funny. He wanted I didn't to destroy know something beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. He was on a fucking this other show that's my so-called life or something okay yeah this thing's in a band called 30 seconds on mars i think and he's in suffocation yeah he's in suffocation no look shit. it up yeah <laughs> yeah fucking they say jared up in it's a different pronounce uh, spelling up in canada but they call it but jared i think or something like that oh no shit i never knew that <laughs> fucking but like regardless fucking that's crazy Cause fucking nobody in fucking death metal fucking they sing all these songs about fucking killing people, uh -huh. motherfucker. But you don't fucking you know, you're out there actually fucking training and kicking people and fucking taking knees by dudes fucking. What's CSS? What is that? Cage extreme sport? What Something is that? like that. I, I one of my trainers at, at one of one of my, at my old gym was uh, Nick something. He was in a death metal band. Uh, shit. Nick I, from fucking Terminally Aboard a Ghost? No. <laughs> <laughs> the drummer, right? <laughs> Colin of Arabia? Yeah, no, no. Not oh. not Nick Lang. Oh. What am I good, good Is friends? he all right? Is he still, is he going? Is he around here, Nick He's Lang? He's fantastic. He was in my wedding, yeah. Where are all those guys? I haven't seen them in years. Nick fucking... is still doing COA. Uh, he's an electrician. Uh, yeah, he's doing really well. Terrence lives in fucking, Terrence is like that whole brain tree, uh, well, Randolph fucking connection was the only way I fucking... Knew about like that old. I haven't heard about Terrence in a long time. Yeah, lives in Worcester. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Terrence like is Terrence. all right. Yeah, he's a good dude. But fucking yeah, that goes way back. Shit, guy. Wow. Fucking but um, 
Wow. So we should fucking crash this one into a wall soon. I think I hit a wall. Fucking you, got- <laughs> <laughs> you told me, man. I think we talked enough shit for tonight. Yeah. Fucking. Um, all right. So. I think I'm the cops. Fucking. Edge day, man. Fucking. You excited to be a. Is, will edge day ever be a, a holy day, so to say? Will edge day ever be holy? I don't know. My, my wife and I talk about this a lot. Veganism is, is more important to me than, than straight edge. But. Uh, what do you listen to Morrissey now? <laughs> I do not listen to Morrissey. You don't I, like Morrissey? I have not been adopted by the Beckwiths. Uh, I do not listen to Morrissey. Thank <laughs> <you>. <laughs> Love Morrissey. <laughs> I hang out with Mike. Talk about Morrissey. Yeah, he, he, that's his. That's his guy. I hung out with fucking Barney on tour. Nippon Duff. No shit. He's a, he's a Morrissey fan. I every day, Mike. I used to say, I'm like, I used to like quote the Smiths at him. I'd be like, Hey, a Barney, Irish blood, English hat. <laughs> 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 That's funny. <laughs> but, uh, so you want to make a prediction on the Patriots and where they're going to end up this year? I know you don't like to gamble, but, like, uh, is this another fucking inevitable Northeast fucking uh, divisional championship onto the conference championship and hopefully roll the Super Bowl type deal? Conference championship features the Patriots one way or, one way or another. Uh, I, I'll, I'll put that in stone. No problem. I think it's Kansas City, New England. Uh, who goes where from there is is you know up to fate. But I, I think they put it together. I I loved everything I saw on tape uh, from from last Sunday. Uh, I think they figure it out. I think it's it's an exciting time for the NFL. Um, even if it's even if there's you know star players injured, everything is wide open right now. Kansas City's you know was the best team in the league. They just lost to a Steelers team that you know is not. Is I not an elite all, team. Yeah. yeah, not an elite they team. The at fucking all. Jaguars. Everything's wide open. I think the conference championship goes through New England one way or another. Who are the Patriots going to lose to? Moving forward, we're at what week seven now. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, I, I I penciled him in for a loss against uh, Atlanta, but uh, what what Atlanta showed me against <laughs> Miami, uh, Miami last, week, last yeah. week, yeah. They had a lot of con- trouble controlling the line of scrimmage. They they had trouble protecting the league because they couldn't run the ball because they couldn't control the line of scrimmage. I mean, you t- you tell me if this sounds familiar. You know, uh, Miami's uh, uh, Atlanta's protecting a the lead. They they can't get uh, you know Devonta Freeman running the ball between the tackles. They got over rely on the pass. They end up in you know third and twenty three situations, and all of a sudden Miami's coming back down the field yeah. to win the game. Yeah, you tell me what that sounds like. It's fucking history repeats. They fucking did this shit. Fucking, they did this Miami with a seventeen point lead, but I think just two weeks prior, fuck, would they do it again? Mm. It was somebody else. It happened again. It was on national TV. Uh-huh. The fucking national game. <laughs> And they fucking just completely fucking caved. Yeah. Who the fuck was that game? It must have been fucking, uh, eh, shit. They're, I mean, they're, it, it, talent-wise, they're an outstanding team. Uh, they, I mean, their they're linebackers are stellar in coverage. Uh, I actually heard, yeah, it was a Greg Gumbel, uh, yeah, Greg Gumbel called uh, Keanu Neal, Keanu Reeves to the broadcast. <laughs> that was a nice one. Uh, yeah, they're opportunistic. Uh they're a great team, but I don't think they can. I, I think their weakness right now is is New England strength. I think Malcolm Brown puts together a game like he had last Sunday. Uh, you know, this Sunday night. Uh, that's that's the story right there. Well, ultimately, fucking, there's something about me that always kind of does sweat that fucking matchup against Pittsburgh, and I don't really respect Tomlin one bit. 
but this fucking something about fucking Pittsburgh, that one traditionalist matchup. Yeah. That fucking they play just kind of really gets with, me, dude. Really tight. It's it's always a tough one. But. It's been that way for years, my entire lifetime, dude. Fucking yeah. like, it's just fucking, there's something about that matchup. It just fucking clicks in there. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if people let it be, it'd be a really fucking great rivalry and a really great part of, of football or Patriots and Steelers. It's going back and forth, you know. Patriots hanging, what was it, 43 on them in the, the 2003 AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh. Um, it's a really stellar story, but it's not what people want. Yeah. Fucking, um, the Bills now have, is Jim Schwartz still there or is he fucking in Philly? Where am I thinking? Where am I at? Fucking Jim Schwartz was fucking later on. I wanted to talk about Jim Schwartz mainly because fucking he's a metal fan. Is he really? Yeah. And I've always admired him for fucking flipping off on Harbaugh, fucking that whole fucking <laughs> handshake fucking yeah. fiasco. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Harbaugh fan because I'm a Michigan guy, but yeah, yeah, no, Schwartz was in the right on that. So would you take him in the Pro Bowl too? What do you mean, Jim? Is that his name? Fucking the 49ers when fucking the, the Bro Bowl, you know, the fucking high oh, yeah. versus high bullshit. I fucking, was pulling for the 49ers. I can never root for the fucking Ravens, even though I do like Baltimore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to respect the, 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 you got to respect the, the, the team that they're fielding. But yeah, no, I was rooting for the, the 49ers. Yeah, but fuck Ray Lewis. <laughs> that fuck Ray that Lewis fucking guy. Yeah. Like, seriously. Fucking Tom Brady's a fucking villain? Yeah. Really? Fucking like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean Ray Lewis, the football player, was is is tremendous. Ray Lewis, the human being, is 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 less than tremendous. He's he's really shown that he's willing to say whatever it is, to whatever it is he needs to to stay on TV. And it's it's really shameful for a for a great athlete like that. Yeah. Fucking, who do you think's the most shameful athlete on t on TV? Who's <laughs> fucking just like the biggest fucking like fuck you sellout like you know, dude. Ops. I mean, why not just stay home with Ray Lewis, uh, a guy who, <laughs> who out and out criticized Colin Kaepernick and and you know said what he had to say to, to He's not on TV though. Ray Ray Lewis. Yeah. Ray Lewis is on. No, no, fucking Colin Kaepernick. Oh, he sure isn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean this is a guy who he called out Kaepernick, who he calls out people on the regular, and then he he takes a knee with the Ravens, and then says he didn't take a knee. Really? Yeah. 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 That happened this year. That happened during the a couple of weeks ago when the the big everybody takes a knee uh, week. Um, yeah, he took a knee, uh, locked arms with the with the Ravens players on the field, and then everybody said, "Wait a minute, didn't you call, criticize Colin Kaepernick for the same thing?" He's, he basically said, "No, I was just doing this because." And he had anti-Trump. Some, he had some horrendous excuse that like <laughs> I was tying my shoes or God knows why, but hopefully he wasn't wearing a white suit when that happened. Hopefully, he's <laughs> he's. I don't know. It's hard to find the most shameful athlete. You know what I want to see, though? I'd like to end it on this note. I want to see Rodney Harris give fucking Tony Dungy a fucking stunner. <laughs> a fucking stone-cold stunner. Fucking on fucking Saturday night. Yeah. Fucking, uh, Sunday night. Waiting all day for that. Fucking, yeah. Oh, that'd be gorgeous. That would be I don't nice. even know why fucking Harrison's there next to the fucking guy. Fucking... Dungy pisses me off with any of those motherfuckers because, like, he's, like, and he is, like, supposed to be some saint. Like, he's, he fucking tweets about praying. Like, fucking, like, uh, he talked, he was, like, instead of kneeling this morning and doing yoga or whatever, you know, like, I, I prayed Pray for, the, for this country's yeah, future. Yeah, what the fuck out of Thanks, here, Tony. you know? Yeah. Dude, I don't know. He's a piece of shit. Like, his kid killed himself and fucking, like, they're, like, Tony, what's going on? He's like, what? God's got him. It's, it's no problem. Like, 
they, oh, I should be so lucky to have having it fall back like that for all my life's problems. I haven't gone long enough this way. Well, I don't know. Those fucking. I wish every athlete listened to more metal, and I wish more metalheads fucking knew how to be athletes. Fucking it would make them stronger people. Fucking understand teamwork, all that bullshit. We'll, we'll do we'll do the Ralph's Olympics sometime. You want to do that? <laughs> Definitely. Do we'll have cornhole, pool, the hi hat toss. <laughs> we'll have a load in fucking like Grand Prix. Fucking like <laughs> the motherfuckers got to charge up the stairs. You got to do the full sprint. Who can assemble the drum set the faster? <laughs> the fastest. Who can fill in for Steve when he can't yeah. fucking set up mics in time? <laughs> Get that done. Fucking like <laughs> everything's there. Jesus and, Christ. And just, just, just to throw it out there, because I promised Jim I'd, I'd do it, uh, Shroud of Bereavement sucks. Uh, What's going on with you and Shroud of Bereavement? <laughs> they, haven't been, they haven't been a band for like five years. They sure as hell have it. Uh, no, I, I... Let's pick up that. We were gonna, I was going to fucking shut the door on this one, but I'll, I'll, I, I, I forgot the, about you and Shroud of Bereavement. I'll give you the close notes. Uh, I, I mentioned in passing that Shroud of Bereavement sucked. Uh, ten hours later, uh, Fat Dan Robinson finds it. Uh, goes off on me, tells me that I I did it as a personal attack. I have no fucking clue who this guy is. Uh, and he starts telling me he's going to kick my ass and up and down, calling me all these <laughs> names. God, I, I've never been in the same room as this guy. And he's, Shrat- he- well, Shredder Breeman was this band that Ascendancy used to play with. My old band, you know, I talk about this band in Brockton I was playing with fucking nearly 15 years ago. It was a fucking gothic funeral doom symphonic fucking band. With yeah, like I remember. Fucking what they like eight like. people. They were terrible. Yeah, <laughs> they were god awful. <laughs> well, a female. But he's, he's still hanging. Around. He's still trying to do this band himself. Yeah. He's re. Here's the thing. You're a musician. He's re-recording all the music that they already recorded by himself to try and re-release these records. He's doing it all over again? He's doing... When? He's doing... How soon? As we speak, he's doing the same music that he already recorded. He's re-recording it because he wants to bring the band back on on at least a recording level. This is... People send me, like... Screen. This has been going on since, <laughs> since fucking fourth grade. You stand up to a bully, and all of a sudden, like everybody wants it, wants to rag on to you. People send me screenshots of the stuff this guy says about fucking everything. It's you know Puerto Rico's killing us at the welfare state. Everything is hardo stance, hardo stance, hardo stance, hardo stance. Followed by fucking begging for money for the by guys, please, I'm a proud man. My, I, I bet custody of my daughter on the New Jersey Generals, please. I need money for a lawyer. <laughs> was that an AFL fo- <laughs> Donald Trump on that team, the New Jersey Donald Generals? Trump, <laughs> Donald Trump, please don't play Donald for this. <laughs> 1,000 New Jersey General dollars. Yeah. Oh, really? That's fucking unfortunate. <laughs> I, can't, like, I mean, Dan was like an all right guy, but then like he kind of got shitty, and then like you see a bunch of people leave his band. Papa and then, Gino's like, Pizza broke that dude's brain, man. He's <laughs> gone. What, what happened with him and Papa Gino's? <laughs> <laughs> Adam Vinatieri fucking... He, he had some meltdown where he said Papa Gino's was this like conspiracy that goes to... What? Levels beyond levels with uh, Hillary Clinton. That Papaginos was creating uh, small pizzas, smaller pizzas with smaller slices <laughs> to rip him off and funnel money to <laughs> George Soros. <laughs> to funneling money to the mouth of George Soros. Yeah. Pizzagate? <laughs> P- this is Pizzagate. Papaginos is Pizzagate. Part <laughs> Come on. Really? Dan said that. Dan said gospel, man. 
Come on. Where's Bond, Dan Snyder? Dan, what the fuck? <laughs> the, like, don't just, dude, Papa Gino's is fucking superior than any other pizza you're going to fucking... F- fuck Papa John's status. Ultimately, it always comes back to fuck Papa John's. Papa Gino's is the puppet mouthpiece of George Soros. Puppet mouthpiece of George Soros. <laughs> oh, God. I could see him running around. Dan Robinson. Wow. Wow. Dan disrespects fucking my Papa Gino's. <laughs> Fucking, that's terrible. Get that son of a bitch off. Get the that. Field. <laughs> <laughs> that's un New England. That's uh-huh. un fucking anything. Fucking like, who hates on pizza? What a cocksucker. People who hate freedom, who hate our way of life. But we're talking about shroud of bereavement, though. Not just Dan. Hey, like, it's this. I think it's the same thing right now. But this guy's not fucking like. I don't like him with bands redo fucking albums. Nope. This isn't like obsessed by cruelty, but like uh-huh. Sodom, like you know, or like X is trying to redo Bonded by Blood, uh-huh. like you know, like so this is it's just not exactly man. yeah. Shroud of Bereavement is isn't exactly this monolithic, stand the test of time thing, nope. you know. Nope, but here we are, just a perfectly sane person doing a perfectly sane thing, who has the power to vote. Thank God. Yeah, it's a fucking fair way to look at it, because. <laughs> Wow, there's a lot of uh, dudes that feel like him in the end. Yeah. The whole fuck Puerto Rico shit. <laughs> and you've been there. You've experienced the culture. Yep. Fucking, in the end, these these right-wing dudes fucking would aspire to be like Puerto Rico. They don't, gotta, they, they don't get the vote for an election, but they pay no federal tax. Mm-hmm. You know, you got these like Peter Schiff, like these big economist guys who fucking, you know, big right-wing economist guys that are fucking very pro-fucking Puerto Rico because fucking it's, it's all about privatization of, of business and, and wealth and fucking everything in between. Fucking, it, it just falls in hand with that. So it's interesting. And you curious to see. You see fucking Elon Musk now fucking proposing to take over the fucking power grid and all this bullshit, you know? I think he'll, he could do it if he wants to do it. They just laid off a bunch of people the other day, I heard. Mm-hmm. Fucking, but we'll see where that goes. Let's see if we can drive this one in the fire anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Other than Shroud Abreement sucking... <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got, man. Just you have any other predictions? <laughs> no predictions. Just I wish you a blessed Edge Day and a, a blessed Edge Day. Tomorrow's Break Edge Day. What are you gonna do for that one? <laughs> I'm gonna sleep late and <laughs> eat vegan donuts. Is what I'm gonna do. <laughs> vegan donuts. What I do every Wednesday. Who's got the best vegan donut in town? Uh, Union Square Donuts. In Somerville. In Somerville, yeah. All right. What's the best club to go to in Somerville? Club to go to. See a metal show once. Easy, right. yeah. Right. DJ Josh Staples. I don't, I don't DJ up there yet. Oh no shit. No, that's at Ralph's. Ah, uh, I got you. I thought you were at, you, you did metal nights there or something. I did that once. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't get out of the house on Tuesdays. Colin does that. Colin played drums and drum. I think he played, no, it was Kanai. Uh huh. So the drummer Kanai is the is the DJ now. I fucking. Oh no shit. Yeah. Don't fight anybody when you go there, by the way. I don't fight people. No Keith will beat you up. <laughs> At 35 years old, I do not fight <laughs> Dude, thanks for coming out here tonight, fucking driving into this train wreck of a podcast. This was cool as hell, man. Thank you so much. It was a beautiful New England fall night. Yeah. Psyched to be here. Nice fucking blue sky fucking at night where you can't see. Fucking clear sky. 
Got the sounds of church bells and police sirens in the backgrounds with some spackling fucking wood flickering Anecdotes and Anecdotes of deers hitting cars, yeah. <laughs> and Shroud of Bereavement sucks. And Shroud of Bereavement sucks. <laughs> and Papa Gino's is the devil, yeah. Yeah, fucking, how can you hate Papa Gino's? That's fucking, what a dickhead fucking, I'm blown away by this. Yeah, well. It's like ending on a fucking bad note. Fucking, it's like a Shroud of Bereavement song. It's like, oh, it's just, just ends on a bad note of a song. <laughs> Sour. <laughs> All right, man. Joanna in three rounds is your bet. That's what you're calling it. You got it, yeah. Patriots are only going to lose, what, three more times? I'll give them maybe two losses, Max. Two losses, Max, on the season? On the season, yeah. On the season, Patriots go undefeated. They're going to beat Atlanta this week, go on a bye, come back, and roll. And roll. All right. I'll let you do it. (laughs) I know you will. Somehow. I'll just see you in fantasy football instead. (laughs) All right, man. Well, fucking thanks for being here. Thank you so much, dude.